Hello and welcome to the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. I'm Josh Roller here in America's home for racing. And Rob is in the racing capital of the world. It was a rainy weekend in Dover, but it only delayed the NASCAR Cup Series race, thankfully. Uh, it was not looking good. It was not looking good on like Tuesday or Wednesday. It was like, yeah, you got like a 90% chance of rain all weekend long. Okay, cool. But they got it. They got the Xfinity and, and Arca race in. Kudos to Mother Nature for allowing for cooperating just a little bit. Um, and then, once again, a NASCAR, a top NASCAR driver is not the track because of a injury he suffered outside of NASCAR racing. He suffered it during racing, but outside of NASCAR racing. Uh, Red Bull continued its expected dominance of the 2023. Formula One uh, season in field, including the sprint race and an IndyCar. Another victory was in sight for Roman Grosjean, but it slipped away, and Scott McLaughlin took the win there. We'll talk about that one here in a little bit. And there's some really exciting SRX news, especially if you're named Rob Peters. So, with that, Rob, go. Let's, let's, I'll hand over the new segment to you and uh, allow you to talk about a few things, including this really exciting SRX news that... I was hoping I was breaking to you, but nope, his Casey Kane alerts on Twitter came through finally. <laughs> you're you're kind of right. You're kind of right about that. I'm kind of excited to uh, be able to chat about this today. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about Formula One, uh, starting off of the news, because, well, let's just talk about it. I don't think we have an upship downship uh, question about what I'm about to talk about. So no, I might, I'm going to opine a little bit about this. Just okay, to start, you do that. just so everybody knows, I'm gonna opine first. But uh, we, the new sprint race weekend procedures were announced this past weekend uh, for Formula One. The new sprint race, how we're doing the sprint races now. Uh, Saturday will be a standalone day, meaning it is it is the day for the sprint. It is the day for the sprint with qualifying for the sprint race before the sprint race. Uh, meanwhile, Friday uh, we'll practice and then qualify for the race on Sunday. So all of Saturday is now entirely dedicated to the sprint race. Yep. Here's my opining about this. What the heck is the point of the sprint race that now? What what is the point of it? I, I don't know. Extra points. Extra points? To get eight extra points. That's it. What? Whoa, uh, fastest lap was extra points. Qualifying on pole was extra points. Like what? Okay, and this doesn't have any, it, it, it's not an officially recognized world championship event either. Which, which also, which also kind of counters, like, hey, we're still going to give you points, even though we're not going to give you credit for a win here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, so okay. even if you win, what, n nothing really, see, this is what I don't like. The thing about, I like, the thing I didn't mind about the sprint races in Formula One was because they were essentially just used like heat races. And I didn't mind that. Duel for Daytona. Yeah, no, I don't. Work. I didn't mind it. I thought heat races. You know, Formula One trying to spice things up by throwing in a heat race. Yeah, I thought it was not a bad idea. I thought it was an interesting way to to make qualifying more exciting. You know, and 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 I I thought it worked last year, but then this this what is it? What are we doing here? I don't even like. Is it? I I I just have no idea what the point of this was. Max Verstappen said they should. This was this was kind of a dumb idea, and I I had to agree. I I just I, for, I forgot about the sprint, and 
I was like, wait, what are we qualifying for? Honestly, to be honest with you, I didn't fully familiarize myself with the sprint format before this when it came out. Uh, so I, I read it went twice in. on Racer Magazine to like make sure I understood it correctly. And then I read it for a third time because I didn't want to leave it at two. Okay, well, you did more of your due diligence than I did. I kind of just went into this weekend blind, just being like, okay, when are the F1 sessions this week? Oh, okay, this is when they are. And I, I just I was like, we're qualifying twice? And one of these qualifications matters, and the other one doesn't. Like, what? And so Logan Sargent crashes in one of the qualifying, and he doesn't compete in the sprint race, but it doesn't cost him anything. No. It didn't. No. No, didn't. Nothing. He wasn't really penalized. He still participated in the race, and he still started. It didn't affect his starting position at all. This is, it's like, what is this? What What is a sprint race? Like, it's exactly what it is. It's just a, what you, Rob, what they have gone into, and I know there this isn't a, again a one for one, but the, what they've gone into is is literally just this is now just quite simply a sprint race for its own little deal. You get two races this weekend, and and neither have any bearing on the other. That's it. That is that is that is it. That's what these team owners, the team principals wanted was we don't want to have this to have any repercussion because. Oh, well, we sort things out. We don't want to push it. And yeah, I lost two spots on that on that on that start, but I lost five and I got three back. But I'm going to settle in right now because I don't want to crash. So they didn't want to have three, four laps of racing at Azerbaijan in the sprint race out of 17 laps, and like the others just be complete. The last 13 be complete snoozes, sneezers of of competition, where we actually said, okay. You qualified on Friday. You're congratulations. You're on the pole. You qualified fourth for the sprint race. It has no bearing on tomorrow. Go crash your car. You can fix it. And you won't lose your position in the main event that's going to pay out the big the big points. That's it. We it is it was the team principal's whining is what it was. Oh, great. Well, I don't know how how this is going to work out. Eventually, this this doesn't just just doesn't make sense. Having a race that doesn't matter. I mean, you're you're holding a race that doesn't matter, but it does matter a little bit. Yeah, it, it, I, it, I don't it, like it. This. It matters to the point where if, if you're willing to put things on the line in a shorter amount of time, maybe you can grab a couple extra championship points. That's about it. Or, <sighs> or you can look at it this way: like, crap, I need these eight points. I can't screw this up. I gotta win this race. I can't look like an idiot. That's I one way to look at it. I mean, it's it's there are multi. It, this isn't like a coin where there's two sides, man. This this is this is one of those like ten sided die where you're like, I, it, it can land on anything, and uh, it, it, it it matters. But I'm like you, I wish there was more, there was some sort of a connection to, it would be cool. I think they, I, th- I'm, I don't like to say this because then it just adds math. And <laughs> yeah, I never liked math. I never liked math. Race fans sometimes aren't the best at math. I'm sorry. We, we all, we all struggle. I mean, come on, let's do the all-star format a couple years ago, man. We oh, don't Lord have mercy. Math. But what if you did some sort of like, all right. You qual- on Friday you qualified here, great. 
And on Saturday, you qualified here. Great. Here's your, here's your number. Now go race. It's not really going to affect your starting spot, but it could. Right? Right. And a lot, a lot of, I don't know. I, I think, let's say, let's say if you go from, like if you earn passing points, that's about it. If you, yeah. don't, if, if you don't lose any positions, you're not, you might lose a position on the grid. You may not. But if you go from 20th to 1st, you could gain like four or five sp- spots on the starting grid um, on Sunday. I think you got to make it worth something. Um, we're almost 10 minutes into this conversation. I like you. I, I, I think it. you need to have the sprint race have some sort of bearing, not on only the on the championship, but on the actual Sunday Grand Prix race. Right. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, but anyway, that's that for that. So we'll move on. I'll keep going through the news here. So if everybody, everybody who's made it this far long, congratulations. Uh, because the next piece of news is interesting as well. Citing leaks, apparently because this, this news was leaked and Alpha Tauri didn't really want it to be leaked. Uh, they, uh, they, well, Ferrari. Yeah, Ferrari. Um, Alpha Tauri, uh, uh, was released the statement that Franz Tosh, the longtime team principal, uh, will be uh, leaving the team at the conclusion of the 2023 season, uh, a position he has held since 2006. Ferrari sporting director Laurent Mekis, I think that's how they pronounce it, I don't have any idea, will succeed Tost per reports. Uh, so new team principal in at AlphaTauri for next year. Uh, in the sports car world, the FIA WEC, the World Endurance Championship, has extended their contract with Spa Francorchamps through 2028, which is great, great news for that. I always love these uh, the uh, Spa events that happen anywhere, so it's always good to keep Spa on any any calendar. But uh, six hours of Spa is great, great event. Um, moving on into some IndyCar news today, because we've got we've actually got IndyCar news. Uh, Nashville Grand Prix organizers plan to race beyond 2023 and are in the process of finding a new layout as uh, construction of the new Tennessee Titans Stadium will force a layout change, yes, for the non-football fans or the non-Americans in listening to the podcast. By the way, hi. Hi, everyone. Hi hi to those people. I don't think I say hi to those people enough. We don't acknowledge the non-football fans in, in the room. Um, or the non-Americans sometimes, and I apologize for that. I do try to cover non-American sports, but anyway. Uh, the Tennessee Titans have announced that they're going to build a new stadium uh, in, in Nashville because uh, the, their current stadium, I guess, is too old. 1999 is too old of a stadium now. They won a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that that's a thing. So. Because everyone gets a Super Bowl unless you're Phoenix and you get like one every three years. I want the Super Bowl at Indianapolis again. Gosh darn it. That Why hasn't Gary Jones in the Dallas Cowboys got another Super Bowl? Why? No, actually, that's a good question because if there's any place that could probably host the Super Bowl, it should be there, right? Right. They should be the one getting multiple Super Bowls. Like, not, not Arizona okay, or Tampa Bay. Like, what? Super Bowls, but why has, like, a place with an actual uh, a, a roof? And well, same yeah. thing goes for Indianapolis too. Like, does Phoenix really need to have three or Super Bowls since the last time those two had one? Really? I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I, hey, hey, man, there's a lot of places that, that that need another Super Bowl. Um, 
crazy, you know. When was the last? Time? It, it, it's it's like if the new new Chicago deal goes through, probably we'll see a. Oh, absolutely! You'll see Chicago a Super Bowl will have a Super Bowl. That's absolutely happening. you will. But back to racing. Back to racing. Uh, like I said, so there's going to be a new new stadium, and and as IndyCar fans know that the the, the layout around the um the 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 streets, uh, the streets of Nashville is goes around the parking lot of the Nissan Stadium, which is the current stadium that's there. Um, so they're going to have to change the layout. Um, will it involve the bridge? Who knows? Uh, that's probably the biggest question. I I mean, that's like the biggest. That's like the big part about like the Nashville course is like that's their eye catching eye candy thing you know that's their signature thing is racing over that bridge I bet it will be they'll have to find some kind of way to to do the bridge to include the bridge right I mean you can't not at that point I mean it it's the staple of the track now yeah it is the it is the it is the uh pagoda of yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Korean veteran veterans memorial bridge. Korean War Veterans Memorial. Korean War Memorial Veterans Bridge. There we go. Um, more IndyCar news. That's this is actually good. We talked about the FIA WEC doing uh, contract extensions. IndyCar and Barber Motorsports Park uh, also announced an extension to keep the series at the track until 2027, which is big news because that's that's a beautiful track down there in Barber. Um, mm-hmm. My good friend Joe Spears was down there this weekend. Uh, sending me pictures. Absolutely love seeing some of those pictures. Such a beautiful racetrack. As you know, our favorite word on the show is picturesque. That's the most picturesque racetrack. I mean, that's beautiful. That's like what I imagine Sonoma is like in the in the winter. Uh, honestly, I mean, just such a beautiful, beautiful racetrack. Uh, green everywhere. I mean, uh, Lee Diffie. What did he call it? The, the Augusta of motorsports. I was like, yeah. That's what everyone calls it the Augusta of motorsports. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very much what it is. I mean, it's a beautiful facility. It's it's absolutely beautiful. It's crazy to me too that there's only two, like, there's only two major events, like the motorcycle Grand Prix and then the IndyCar race. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish like IMSA ran, ran there or um, I dare I say the Xfinity series. <laughs> Maybe one day when the Xfinity series becomes an electric series, it will make a stop at Barber. <laughs> hey, hey, man. Or, uh, no, actually, I got, I, I'll do you one better. I'll do you one better. In someone on iRacing right now needs to go take a V8 supercar and run it around Barber. Hey, that might work. There you go. Now that's what I'm talking about. Now we're getting somewhere. The American All right, next piece tour. of news here. Uh, next piece of news, which is my favorite news. I'm so excited to announce this. I'm so excited because I had no prior knowledge to this. But finally, after three whole tweets in my life, begging SRX to add add Casey Kane. He will join SRX at Berlin Raceway, and since that's in Michigan, I am very, and not, not far from Grand Rapids, where I spent a couple of nights on my honeymoon, I am very, very close. I am very, very close to either crowdfunding or finding a way to go see Casey Kane in Berlin, because he, he, I was bummed out because he was supposed to race Tri-State. The World, uh, World of Outlaws was in Tri-State. Um for, like, one of their only visits to Indiana. Um, and Casey wasn't going to be there, wasn't able to be there. Uh, so I was bummed out about that. But knowing he'll be semi-close to me in Berlin, Grand Rapids, which is, you know, a day trip away from me, like a weekend trip. Oh, crap. Yeah. Oh, darn it, SRX is on Wednesdays. Thursday. Thursday nights Thursdays, now, Thursdays now. Gosh, darn it. I'll find a way. I'll find a way, Josh. I will find a way to get up there. Yeah, I will find a way. Start planning now. I will. I will. Um... 
because Casey Kane is going to be at Berlin Raceway. And uh, more on SRX, the Biffmeister, Greg Biffle, will be at Thunder Road. Uh, and then ESPN unveiled its broadcast team for the 2023 season. Uh, Alan Bestwick returns to play-by-play with Matt Yoakum as the lead pit reporter. Uh, we'll have Joey Logano as the co-commentator at Stafford, Berlin, and Eldora. Connor Daly will join the booth at Motor Mile and Lucas Oil Raceway. And old Daryl Waltrip will be the commentator at Thunder Road. Additional talent will be announced closer to the start of the season. Uh, would not be disappointed if Brad Doherty made a return. I'd love to see Brad Doherty back. I always loved that. Um, and uh, I, I'll just say I love what SRX is doing. I love this. Alan Bestwick calling a race is always a good thing. <laughs> People love Alan Bestwick. I love me some Alan Bestwick. That man's got a golden voice. He, he should still be... that. No no offense to Lee Diffie, and I know there's a lot of people who are comment, praising how great the IndyCar coverage is, and don't get me wrong, the IndyCar coverage is great. But, dude, let me hear Alan. I love Alan Bestwick. I love that he's on the PA at yeah. IMS. I love that he's on PA at IMS. I love when... Uh, I love him and Dave Calabro. Uh, I did like, I'm sad Bob Jenkins is no longer with us because I liked when uh, it was Bob Jenkins and Alan Bestwick. I thought that was... He had that voice, yeah. Oh, there was nothing better than just going, walking up and down the speedway and hearing both of those voices, like, greet you, greet, like, talk to you. I mean, it was, it was magical. It felt like you were, it felt like I was in a magical place. Hearing both of those voices over the loudspeaker, the PA, just walking up and down Gasoline Alley, like on a random practice day. It, it, it felt like I was in, in, in a magical place. So just, I love Alan Bestwick. I love hearing his voice. And I have, now, I tell the, jo- the story all the time and at risk of going long, this, I promise I'm not going to go long. I'm just, this is why I like Alan Bestwick. Uh, but I will say that I have not, I have not, uh, I've not peed next to him like I have Jerry Punch. Um, but I have, I have, uh, said hi to him in, in the lunch line before at the media center. So, you know, my, my story is one day I'm, I'm I'm like, this was my first year. I I think this was my first year, maybe second year covering the race, the 500. And I'm just going to the bathroom at the urinal and Jerry Punch walks in and takes the urinal next to me. And looks at me and stares and says, "Hey, how you doing?" And he's in his like fire suit. He's like in his fire suit, right? And I'm like, I'm sitting here, and I, I was, I was twenty. I was just, I, I, I was twenty. I was, I hadn't yet turned twenty-one, I think. And I was just sitting there as a twenty-year-old covering the race for the first time, thinking, "Jerry Punch just said, hey, how you doing?' to me while I was taking a pee. This is amazing." This is the coolest story of I've ever of my life. <laughs> this is still the cool. So Alan Bestwick, uh, love him because, I, like I said, I said hi to him, but I haven't had an, rea- an, an interaction with him like I have with Jerry Punch. Yeah, I've had a interaction. So I'm glad everybody got to learn that that's a little story about me that uh, I shared that moment with Doctor Jerry Punch. Uh, I said hi to him back. I didn't introduce myself at all because in all honesty i was sitting there thinking most of the time i was like did this guy really pick the urinal next to me when there's like two th- two more like he picked the next i was more concerned about like the urinal etiquette you know what i mean i was Not more concerned about that no, but... gonna... hey folks Jay Punch has blocked Rob on Twitter. No, 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 i hope not. I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad. I promise. I just loved how he came and stood right next to me in, in, in 
whole full ESPN fire suit. Like he's still hooked up. Like he had he had his the headphones were like b- b- beside his um like you know around his neck and everything. And he's he got all the wires coming out. He's got his uh the the microphone is like tucked into it or or attached to his belt or whatever. And he's just <laughs> just walked in casually to the media center bathroom and. Right next to me. So that's the story I always tell because it's funny now. Um, and I love it. It's a good... It, it, but it's more to the reason why I think the ESPN broadcasters were always some of the best. Um, it goes to that whole, you know, I miss ESPN broadcasting races in general because of, I think their on-air personalities always had such great personalities of themselves. And, you know, the way they acted on TV is honestly kind of the way they are in real life. Um, so just pretty cool. Uh, so at risk of going on even longer now that I've said that, <laughs> told everybody that fun story that maybe we can make into a clip on the show. I don't know. Uh, we'll talk about some supercars news because this is really cool. And speaking of me trying to scrounge up money, I am still unemployed. I want to go to races. Somebody hire me. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen, the supercars points leader and absolute wunderking of that series right now ever since Scotty Mack left. Um, is expected to be announced as Trackhouse's Project 91 driver for the Chicago Street Race per Speed Cafe. How about that? How about that? How about that? Now I really, I see, it's like, I, when else am I going to get another opportunity? When am I going to get an opportunity to see Shane Van Gisbergen race in person? Like, when, when is that going to present itself to me again? I don't know. I don't know if it ever will. So, when, I mean, when, if you're I'll, like me in the indie area and think on... I don't know if I want to go see the Chicago Street Course or not. Go see SVG. Go see SVG. I think you should. Take a train. Take a train like I'm probably going to do, but go see SVG. Let me see. Hold on a second. Go real quick. Let me see if I can make your life any more complicated. No, never mind. I can't. Never mind. Move on. Oh, well. You were going to try. You were going to try. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Uh, let's move on to some NASCAR news because we got more drivers. We, last week, we talked about the 75 greatest drivers and said, and you... You're upshifting, Josh. You were very like, let's let's see where the rest of the who else is added. Well, we do know some more drivers that have been added. Uh, Ron Hornaday Jr., Jeff Burton, Bobby Labonte, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, in all honesty, I don't have an issue with those additions. I think they're the right, they're proper additions. Um, there were a lot of people talking about, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. for sure, Ron Hornaday as well. Uh, you know, Jeff Burton, Bobby Labonte, I think, I think the thing about those two drivers a lot of people have to understand, and even myself, because I struggled, like, to remember that, like, I grew up with Bobby Labonte dominating all the time, and then by the time, you know, I was, like, 8, 9, 10, Bobby Labonte was more or less, unfortunately, irrelevant, you know, and kind of, like, perpetually 28th at most races. <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean, that's... Well, he's a two-time NASCAR champion. He's right, got exactly. He's, he's a, a champion. Championship, too. And and even for me, I had to I had to look at that and go back and remember. I was like, dude, remember when you were five and that dude like completely dominated the Winston Cup this season? Is why, this is why <laughs> when when they announced all the there's there's a they didn't announce one today. I don't think because of the of the race running today at Dover. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's ten more still to be announced. They've announced fifteen. When we when we have announced all of them, I want I cannot wait to sit down and debate with you because I know there will be debate. About the 25 they selected, I'm like, well, who do they leave off that we think should have been on here and not this person? Yeah, right? for sure. So I can't wait to talk to you about that. Um, 
personally, I can't. And, 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 I think, what, and see all the debate as well. Um, oh, yeah. It's going to be a hotly debated topic all over Twitter. So, so very hotly debated. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see who else. But so far, yeah, I've got I've got no real notes on these four editions. I think they're good good picks, especially Dale Jr. and Ron Hornaday. It's good to see Ron Hornaday get get the recognition he deserves, especially. I like to see them adding as many drivers not from the Cup series as they are. Like Bush series standouts, especially like modified standouts. Um I just I'm just curious I I'm excited. I'm I'm excited. I'll be excited to see where uh, where it goes from there. Yeah. Uh, more NASCAR news. Uh, this is going to be interesting. NASCAR and Sirius XM Radio announced a multi-year deal uh, broadcasting agreement along with a continuation of daily shows, which is great. More reason why, again, if I wish I had money so I could subscribe to Sirius and listen to some of this stuff and someday. Um, anyway, uh, next piece of news. Kyle Larson will drive a HendrickCars.com sponsored number 10 for Chevrolet for Colleague Racing. So Kyle Larson's going to race for Colleague Racing in the number 10 at Darlington. And it is technically a throwback, I guess. It's, it's not, but it is. It's, it's a, a throw- lazy throwback. It's a throwback scheme, but can we actually call it a throwback if it's being run every week? No, not if it's being no. run every week. Why can't they, why can't he go like, hey, it's intercars.com, but we're going to run, you know, a different GMAC scheme that either jack sprague or ricky hendrick drove i was gonna say there's like there's others there's like oh right now that 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 they could use instead of this as a throwback and i'm looking at another gmac diecast that they okay could so use. you've got plenty yeah you, we've got I mean, plenty to go for and we, we we still stuck with the status quo which it's a good pain scheme so i can't really complain scheme. yeah but it yeah, was, you know. it was the one he won in a truck it's the one he drove in the xfinity series it's the one that brian vickers won a championship with i get yeah. it you know yeah it's special i understand special. so it is still it's technically a throwback but it's not as good as ryan ellis's you see what they did they the, the corvette parts they did the kevin harvick throwback to the inverse oh, GM not, whoa, whoa, whoa. you're telling me that alpha prime is missing an opportunity to do a 2001 petty throwback look tommy joe martin's talked about it i don't know i thought he was gonna do it too but they i guess oh man tommy happen. joe martin's i thought, I, I thought tommy joe martin's was talking about like actually doing that i i thought that was something like, I mean, he was like i mean like, like you mentioned like hold on you can't tweet that you can't respond to someone going waiting on the Darlington throwback schemes for john andretti buckshot jones and kyle petty yeah, i mean i think we all want adam that. petty and then you and then and then and then you come out here and you honor kevin harvick he's retiring who cares I'm sorry, I'm going crazy. I want more Adam Petty tributes. Adam Petty doesn't get enough tributes anymore because it's been 23 years. I need just one. I need one time for the Sprint PCS black and red and silver 45 to be run. Just once. So, and I will will sign up for a pre-order to that diecast because I will want it. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Um... All right, we've got a big, 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 interesting little Stern bomb nugget that we could talk about now. Uh, Adam Stern tweeted Monday night that NASCAR executives are meeting with digital media companies following Fox and NBC's exclusive renegotiation window ending. Stern noted that NASCAR, quote, could look to carve out a midsummer package for a digital company. 
Very, very interesting tweet to note. Because I guess NASCAR is looking for a streaming partner, which they should be, first and foremost. You want to continue. They did. Stern did follow up uh, noting that NASCAR expects and hopes to continue their relationship with Fox and NBC. So that's still happening, even though we call, all complain about Fox's coverage. And we will continue to complain about Fox's coverage as long as they're <laughs> zooming in on every single car and focusing on children and whatever else uh, they decide to not show the cars. Um, but, uh, it would be interesting to see what this digital package comes to. Obviously, you, I, I don't mean? think they could take it off broadcast. You can't take this off cable broadcast. It has to be a simulcast thing. But yes. at the same time, you have to entice the company to want to have it. You can't just say, yeah, NBC's going to broadcast the race, but, you know, Amazon, you can air, air it too. You know, they're not going to do that. Um, some... I would wonder. I think first and foremost, they've got to get, they've got to get all all NASCAR races on Peacock. First and foremost, that's that's the number one thing. All of NBC's they got to get they got to get get that contract thing out that says they can put USA Network races on Peacock. What you own yes. the bloody company? I've ranted about this before. You yeah, own I the know bloody company. Just walk in there as a CEO and say, "Hey, I'm going to pull rank, and we're going to rip this contract up, and we're going and we're going to do this now." I mean, I have a lawyer to draw up an amendment to the contract. I, I all you got to do, is, but that's I mean, all you got to do. You're telling why it's it's to me. I think big tech companies think they're think we're stupid. <laughs> I think they do because like, oh, that's complicated. Like this is a simple algorithm push of a button. All right. Now it's streaming. That's all it is. It's not like we got to put all we got to aim all these satellites in the right direction. We got to sundial, make sure that's in the right spot, and we got to have this guy hold up a a a, a, a metal antenna. Right, now we can stream. <laughs> it's not that difficult. It, yeah. it, but, but they but they say but they think we're stupid. I I don't I I don't I I don't know. It, it but here's the thing. I understand, unless I'm, but with this uh, carve out a digital summer package, midsummer package. Again, I'm like, okay, this I need more information. I need more information because this is just concerning. And with the direction of we've seen the decision that of 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 the yellow, blue, and red making lately, I don't trust what I'm hearing, and I'm going directly to the worst possible deal, saying, yeah. We're going to take three races away from Fox and NBC. And we're going to give them to this streaming service. And so now you got to go to the streaming service to watch the race. And it won't be on broadcast TV. That um, would be bad. That's exactly what I'm worried about, too. It would be bad. But, like, some people think a 550 horsepower package is good. Right? They're wrong. The same people making this decision. Well, I'll say something else, and this is going to... I'm going to be straight. I'm going to be absolutely straight with everybody. I did not watch any Thursday night football except for the Seahawks game. And that's because I didn't... I, I didn't want to have to subscribe to Amazon Prime just to watch one football game a week. And this is the thing. Like, if you're going to go to streaming, you have to entice people. You have yeah. to give people their money's worth. You can't just put one two maybe three races i mean they're only going to subscribe for a, a month or, or maybe what two months and do, then unsubscribe like 
what they need to do is they need to get all right. Whoever your TV partners are going to be, your, your, those are your main partners, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and say, <clears throat> all right, for the races you are not putting on your streaming service. So you look at if it's Fox, Fox, you don't have one. Guess what? All eighteen of your races are going to be on this streaming service. NBC, you have ten races on Peacock or however many it's at. Ten races are ten races on USA Network. Those 10 races, since they're not on Peacock, are going to be on this streaming service. Oh, and by the way, we're going to throw the trucks on there, too, because, I mean, why the heck not? I mean, gosh, it's why we lost Camping World, because we couldn't satisfy them with the broadcast. So we're going to give them to someone completely new. Why not? Just... Well, that's, that's something we should be doing anyway. The truck series needs a new broadcast home, and I hate to say it. ESPN. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry, allergies are acting. Um, Yeah, but this is—I don't know, man. I just—I think they—I know they're—I know they kind of have to—they have to balance things. NASCAR is juggling a lot of crap right now. Um, Oh God, yes. They need to—they need to more so get the get the owners back on their side because owners are not on their side right now. I promise you that. This is a whole different conversation now where we've just stretched it, oh, yeah. stepped into I know, it. <laughs> I know, I know. But so, but like this meteorite, right? see, like, oh, they're going to be like, hold on a second. No, 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 no. We got to get our stuff settled out. Then you can go talk to the media groups because then that now you can negotiate the money stuff. It's just, right. this is a whole different deal. Yeah. Uh, we could, we could, we could literally make a podcast just about that. Just but about 30, that. Yeah. We're 34 minutes in. Rob, what's the last piece of news? I here? still got news. I still got some news to talk about because, um, in, in addition to that, uh, we had uh, Alex Bowman. He's going to be sidelined for about three or four weeks. Uh, well, now three or four weeks starting this week. Yeah, so this is week Pretty one. Retroactively to last week. Yeah. Um, his first race he missed. He missed the race at Dover, if you watched it. Uh, following a crash at 34 Raceway in Iowa in a sprint car race, Bowman suffered a vertebra compression, compression factor fracture. This, I, I should, we should really do this in multiple takes, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, Bowman suffered a vertebrae compression fat fracture, and Josh Berry will be the substitute driver. President and general manager of Hendrick Motorsports, Jeff Andrews, says the team does not plan on changing its policy regarding extracurricular activities for drivers in the wake of Bowman's accident. We'll talk about that in the upshift-downshift because it's a big hot topic question, but I'm just glad Alex Bowman is okay. Uh, because believe me, as I continue to watch sprint car racing, let me tell you something. It is, it is dangerous. I mean, we're still, I mean, someone died last, like last month in a sprint car. Like, uh, it, I'm sorry. It's still dangerous. We have to be careful. Um, so I, as much as I love sprint car racing, as much as I think it's, it's great sprint and midget racing, I think it's all great. It's got a serious safety problem that needs to be addressed. And it, it has not been addressed. I mean, we lost Brian Clausen how long ago? Now we lost Jason Leffler. How long ago? And we're we're still remembering them. We're still missing them. But the things that unfortunately proved fatal for them are still proving fatal for other drivers, or in this case, injuring other drivers. I'm sorry. I don't know what there is to fix it. I don't know what kind of safety measures Sprint Car Racing could take to fix some of these things. But there is still a major problem with driver injuries uh, in in the dirt world, especially within sprint midget racing. And something needs to be done. I don't know what it can't what can be done. I don't know. I'm not an expert there. But it is very concerning to me to enjoy going to sprint rate car races now and midget races. And just genuinely being having 
that little bit of fear again, knowing someone could die. And I don't really like going to motor racing events where that fear is is present. You know, obviously it's always there anytime you go to a race, but when it's like when it's in in the front of your mind instead of the back of your mind, it's a lot you know, it, it it's a lot more uh anxiety inducing. So that's all I'm going to say about that before we get to the upshift downshift because uh, we now want to move on. We're going to move on to our featured paint scheme, and I'm very glad you picked this one. This is a great pick for you, Josh. So I'm going to turn the keys back over to you because it's your week to lead. Uh, you take us through the featured paint scheme. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I picked this one even before uh, what happened today at Dover. Uh, Ryan Truex, let's do uh, our favorite Ryan Truex paint scheme. Uh, Ryan's been very much a, a journeyman. Uh, in yes. his NASCAR career, I mean, there's no nice way to put that. He has been a journeyman. He is. He is. I can't think of a an MLB baseball player or NBA player that has spent more time at different teams than than him. I so, can think of some football players. Yeah, you know, that's 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 true. It's true. There's Phil, a lot Phil of football there. players that have probably been through as many teams as as that Ryan is, Truex has at this point. That that are you thinking? Uh, uh oh, crap! What's his name? We're going back to football. Know. Uh, no, no, we're going let's, 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 hold on. Stop. We hit the we Josh hit a wall. McCown. We're going, Josh we're going McCown back. We're going back game. to the team. <laughs> uh, Rob, who's your what, what's your favorite pick? Uh, pick uh, for Ryan Truex's paint schemes. Well, you know this one is. I got to be honest with you. I had to refamiliarize myself with a lot of them, um, because like you, you said, there's been a journeyman. He's been had. He's had to scrounge up so many different sponsors uh, yeah. throughout his life, and I think. The one that I guess I associate the most with him is Borla Exhaust. That's a company that I believe has been with him. I don't know if they're still with him, but they were with him for a long time. Um, and I just had to go with the Borla Exhaust scheme from when he was at BK Racing. And when BK Racing was just literally hiring any young driver, even if they didn't have any money, and just throwing them in terrible rides. And then, like, they did this to Rydrex, they did this to Alex Bowman, they did this to Jeb Burton. Like, they completely... I mean, sans Alex Bowman. I mean, they basically derailed a bunch of these guys' careers by putting them in awful cars. Um, yeah. Well, and Ryan and, Truex, no offense to Ryan, had no business being a cup. In, not in, at that in, time. In not no. at that time, no. Uh, and, it, well, to be fair, neither did Jeb. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which also speaks more volumes to just NASCAR's credential system, but different, different conversation. Again, both of these drivers are good now. Yeah. But when they were in cup, they probably shouldn't have been in cup. Right. But BK Racing had had other ideas. They were not content racing David Rudiman and Travis Quapel. They they needed to go bigger and bolder. And Parker Kligerman wasn't available at the time, so uh, they were other guys. <laughs> Thank goodness yeah, I, Parker Kligerman wasn't available. Yeah, yeah, he he wasn't available at the time, but then he became available like by April, <laughs> April yeah. of 2014. <laughs> Thank you, Parker, um, for having the BK racing. Okay, I'm not. It, it, it would have been better than Swan Racing. Oh, eh. and 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 BK Racing absorbed Swan Racing, but they but took no Cole Witt because Cole no Witt had the sponsorship. But no one remembers Swan Racing, and that's a good thing because you don't hold it over Parker Clickerman's head. I miss its inception. It's it, the its predecessor, Inception Motorsports. Yes, those were some slick schemes, man. I just like the fact that they called themselves Inception Motorsports like right after the movie Inception came out. 
perfect SEO. I know. It was I just loved that. A Brock Beard. You I think I've brought men brought yeah. up Brock, Brock Beard before. Um when his starting grid videos, whenever he would introduce David Stremme, uh, driving for the Inception Motorsports number 30 car at the time, uh, he would play the Inception theme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Over a, an image of just Stremme qualifying, just a quick little video of Stremme qualifying with the Inception. I loved it. I It made me laugh, like, uncontrollably when it when he started doing that. But, I, okay, back to the point. I love this Borla exhaust scheme on Ryan Truex. I thought it was a great scheme. I think, I mean, it's flat black, yes, but it's got realistic flames on the side. I mean, you can't go, and, and plus, Borla exhausts make everything sound better, okay? Borla exhaust really does make everything sound better. I mean, they could basically make a, an X-pipe if they wanted to and make it sound beautiful again. Um... I'm a big fan of it. I love this paint scheme just because of that simplicity. I mean, it was a simple paint scheme, but it told you exactly what the company did. It was yep. Borla exhausts, and they had a giant exhaust on the side of the car with that realistic flames uh, yeah. coming out of it. I mean, it looked cool. It, it it honestly did. It objectively did. I was always a big fan of this car uh, that Ryan Truex ran. So uh, in celebration of Truex finally getting that first Xfinity yeah. victory— I'll talk about how he had a really good cup car, even though it looked good, even it though it wasn't good. fast by any means. No. Um, you know, last week I picked the, the very first scheme a driver drove in an Xfinity Series, and I'm doing it here again today. Um, I'm going with the... He drove this also on a Gen 4 and a Nationwide COT. Uh, Michael Waltrip Racing number 00 Napa Auto Parts. Uh, Toyota. And Truex made three starts in this. It was exceptionally simple. Blue, orange numbers, and yellow trim. And then slap on the Napa logos. Exceptionally simple. Maybe arguably to a fault too simple. But as like you, I had to refresh my knowledge. And I'm like, gosh, I can't pick the Atari scheme. That one just wasn't good. And the Colleague scheme also was not good when he drove. Everyone forgets he drove for Colleague. I drove, didn't forget, but I had to remind myself again. Yeah, he, he, he he drove for Colleague, and I'm sorry, that paint scheme was cursed. That paint scheme is at the very bottom of the NASCAR iceberg of, of cursed paint schemes. So, um, yeah, that one was not good. Kent Pickett. And, and Colleague rarely misses, in my opinion, on paint schemes. Um, but, yeah, this one, really fun. Uh, and also, rare one, Rob. You might you might hate me for this, but a rare instance where I feel like the nationwide COT scheme looked better than the Gen Four. In uh, the Toyota Gen Fours were good, were good looking cars. See, that's a tough one for me because I'm always going to take the Toyota Gen Four over Maybe everything. I'm going to take the Gen Four, but I'm saying this is the, one of those rare opportunities, or rare rare instances rather. Okay. That 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 the this the nationwide COT. The same exact scheme looked better on it than in the Gen 4. And by the way, Michigan race was the best race they ran. It was a COT race. He finished second or 12th after starting second in that race. So Something about those early 2010s nationwide races. I actually uh, look back on them fondly now. It's kind of crazy to think that I, I didn't at one it point. Is. It, I it, really do. it is a very interesting era that when you look back, 
remove a decade and you just look at things differently. I agree. It's all different. It's totally different. The vibe is different. The vibe of the series is different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally, totally different. I mean, I still, I like, I liked that era. I really like, I really liked, I like the, the nationwide Xfinity series. I think it was really, really fun in like 2013 and 14 and 15. Um, I think it had some really fun characters in those years. It did. Um, and some good regulars. You know, Elliot Sadler was down there, and you had Elliot Sadler and Regan Smith, and they were racing yeah, with, like, the Hornish other kids. Before that, too. Right? Sam Hornish, yeah. Sam uh-huh. Hornish almost won a, could have won a title down there. He should have won a title. Let's be honest. He should yeah, have. Should, have, should have probably won a title. It's always yeah. fun. Sam anyway. Hornish would be an IndyCar and Xfinity Series champion. But we digress. On to the upshift-downshift segment. We got several questions here, because there was a lot to talk about um, this week. And uh, we're, 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 I don't know, I don't know if we're on track or not, but we're on track enough. Uh, upshift, downshift, upshift, you agree, downshift, you disagree, you can throw it into neutral. I did that last week, as Rob mentioned, with the 75 driver, uh, years of NASCAR, 75 greatest drivers question. Um, you know, sometimes you, you got to have more information. I needed more information last week. Or sometimes, you know, we don't like to say we don't care, but sometimes that just happens, and that's okay. So if you're new and you're listening to us or you're, or you're a newer face, hopefully you're, you're enjoying playing along with these as well and kind of popping into your head like, oh, yeah, I kind of upshift that. And, or, you know, I downshift. So enjoy. Enjoy these questions today. And the first one of which is, through 10 races, Junior Motorsports is winless in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Do you upshift or downshift? They win in the next five races. You know, I think it's it's tough to say that Josh Berry isn't probably their their top driver right now. I mean, he's looking really good. Brandon Jones has had a good some good runs. He's been inconsistent, but he has had good runs. Um, and I think if he could just nail down a really solid run, I think they could get something something together. But then again, he's also Brandon Jones hasn't been as aggressive this year as I thought he would. I really, I still feel like. I would have expected his aggression level to go up, especially after getting booted out of the way by his teammate last year at Martinsville. I kind of expected him to kind of start putting his foot down and be like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that. Um, and probably use it to hike out another win, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's not wanting to tear up too many new cars with the new team just yet. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, I think Josh Berry could probably get it done. I mean, the Xfinity series, there when it, I mean, it's gonna be a while till they're on a short track again. But Josh Berry can win on a mile and a half if he wants, if he has to. Um, so I would probably upshift this. I think Josh Berry, at the very least, has the best chance. Especially, I mean, he got a top ten today in Dover in a Cup car. So I'm just saying, you know, it's entirely plausible that it, it that if if Junior Motorsports is gonna win, it's gonna be it's gonna be out of the eight car. I'm going to upshift. I think they're going to win in two weeks at Darlington. I mean, Barry ran well there last year till he had issues. Justin Allgaier always runs well at, at Darlington. Uh, Noah Graxon won at Darlington in the fall last year. Of course, he's no longer there, but, uh, uh, well, you know, Brandon and Jones in his car. And Brandon Jones car. has won at Darlington in the past as well. I'm losing confidence in Sam Mayer, but you know Sam Mayer. Isn't... I totally forgot about Sam Mayer. 
Yeah, I was I only think... thinking about Allgaier, Jones, and Barry, and I completely forgot Sam Bear was even on the team. Probably part of the problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I actually get it done at Darlington. If they don't get it done at Darlington, I I can't pick Charlotte. Junior Motorsports has one win in the spring Charlotte race. One. And it was last year with Josh Berry. Uh, and then they run to two road courses. I don't see Junior Motorsports as a road course team. Um, so uh, it, at least their talent, what, what they have, it's not their forte. And then it's Nashville. Those are the next five races for um, the Xfinity Series because they're still not going to Gateway for some stupid reason. Um, they're going to Portland instead because that's a great city. Uh, I think it, it, Portland's just full of people who couldn't make it in Seattle. That's, okay. that's that's real nice to say about Portland people. I mean, look, I, do I think maybe the truck series should be at Portland? Yes, but I digress. <laughs> All right, for people who watch the ranch, you get the reference. As I appreciate for it, so I appreciate people like, ah, yeah, I get that, Josh. Oh, um, is that but, the show with Sam Elliott and the guys? Yeah, Sam Elliott okay. and uh, yeah, oh gosh, great show, Rob. I know you have Netflix. You need to get Netflix. You I have Netflix, Netflix again. My wife made me resubscribe. Uh, you got to watch The Ranch. You got to watch The Ranch and Drive to Survive. Okay, we digress. A different show. Our next podcast, Rob, uh, Josh Commands. Think, Rob, right, things Rob Netflix. needs to watch on Netflix that we know he never will. He'll watch the same American Dad episodes. But I binge-watched Clone High in a whole whole day. So, But that was only 13 episodes. Okay. And I had 20 but, years to do it. <laughs> so uh, if, if, for this, yes, I upshift. I think they get a win. I think they get a win two weeks at Darlington. I really do. Um, they're finally going to get that monkey off their back. And if they don't do well at Darlington, I'm like, oh, crap. Junior Motorsports may only get, like, two wins this year <laughs> and not put anyone in the championship for. Um, I, or, I still am not going to count out Josh Berry. I don't oh, know. I'm not going to count Josh Berry. But if they don't run well at Darlington, I'm going to be concerned. Next question. The Azerbaijan Grand Prix will be on the Formula One calendar through 2026. Do you upshift or downshift? Um, You know, here's my thing about this is I didn't – the Grand Prix on Sunday was not great. It wasn't great, but I still like I still like the track. I still think it's a unique racetrack. I feel like it's like I always liked the Baku Street Circuit even when it was announced. I was always, you know, a lot of people were kind of speculative on it. They didn't really like it that much or they were like, "Oh, well, it's another Middle Eastern race, eh, blah blah blah." Yeah, but this place is like Monaco on steroids. It's like, what if we made Monaco and decided to just make it super fast and wide? And this is what it is. And I like it. I, I, it's like, I have to admit, like, I kind of like it. I like the, I mean, the, the race was, yes, it could have been better. But I, you know, I think a lot of that probably, in all honesty, I think the thing that I really didn't like was them shortening the DRS zone. Um, I don't want to say that that, like contributed because I don't think it did but I I always feel like especially with these four people hate DRS people hate 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 DRS I don't I have no qualms against DRS I think the longer the DRS things are the better I like seeing overtakes constantly and I like seeing DRS be the overtake stoop me I don't care. I like Azerbaijan. I like the Baku Street because it's got that long front stretch. It's got that long front stretch with the long, um, with the long DRS zone, or at least it was a long DRS zone. Um, 
So honestly, in all honesty, if I'm being completely honest with you, I still upshifted. It looks like the people of Azerbaijan really still like the race. They enjoy the race. I think again, the the city itself is 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 a picture. It's not it's not like Jeddah. It's not like it's not like the other Middle Eastern races where they feel like over the top. You know, like over the top in how like they present themselves. They present themselves in such a very affluent way like it's a very rich place but then this azerbaijan where it's like oh no this is more of like okay this is this is just a race downtown in a city you know it doesn't feel as outlandish as maybe as Jeddah or as even abu dhabi you know when you're talking about a middle eastern race i think i think personally i would rather see him stay in azerbaijan than continue to race in like saudi arabia or Qatar or wherever. I like if you're talking about a Middle Eastern place, here here is the here is your market right here. This is a good track. This is a good circuit. Again, ignoring the fact that the race this weekend was kind of a dud. That was all down to tire strategy. I think Pirelli makes too hard of tires and that's a problem. Um sounds but, like good here. I have some thoughts about tire wear in some in, in, in Monday's Dover race too, but um, no, honestly, I upshift this. I don't have any problem with, with it staying on the track. Again, like I said, I think it's my preferred Middle Eastern track. Not saying I don't like Abu Dhabi. I still like Abu Dhabi. But Abu Dhabi, to me, seems like something I could never afford to go to. Whereas I feel like if if the in some odd universe I'm ever in Azerbaijan, I never will be. But if I ever was, this is a place I could probably afford to go see a Grand Prix. Uh, more than anything, I'm going to upshift that they only got a three-year extension because it seems like every single, every single time we're seeing a, a track getting an extension or a country getting an extension, it's like 10 years. I'm like, that's a big commitment, right? Um, yeah. I, 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 I don't really have much more to add other than I will say I would probably say i prefer this one compared to other middle eastern races so yeah i can upshift this one i mean you look at the yeah. fan environment in fan azerbaijan it, it, comparatively it, it looks better i, I think it is i 100 I, I think you're right about that i think you hit the nail on the head in your description of the fan base there and the relatability you know why do people you know love the the the, the to reminisce about the late nascar NASCAR days gone by because you could relate to people more. You know, you can relate to the cars here. I think that I think you can relate to you and I can relate to the people there going to those races. Where like absolutely, you go to Saudi Arabia, like well, I don't make six figures above five hundred thousand, so I can't right. go. Here. I'm not going to be welcome. They're going to say like, how much money do you have in your bank? Uh, four hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Not nah, not enough money. Can't get in. So I think that's kind of. Like, <laughs> I was about to say that's more money than I got. <laughs> yeah, I was like, let's, like I, I think that's way these other things are the right approach. So I would say Azerbaijan. I'm not a fan of the location. I'm a fan of. I like. The it. I think it's cool. It's around a I, castle, dude. I mean, it, it, yeah, awesome. yeah, <laughs> picturesque, yes, but other factors. Um, it, but the fans seem to very much support it. So yeah. I, I will upshift it. I'll upshift that one for now. It's uh, a track you where you can reach 200 mile an hour speeds and drive by a castle. That's that's my final th thought on that. I just <laughs> like, that's why I like it. Fair <laughs> enough. 
Do you have to downshift that Roman Grosjean's team should have let him know that he was running low on push to pass? Uh, this one is really interesting, and and I left this in just because I I could I I felt like I could have taken it out, but I left it in just because I thought it was interesting to talk about this. So um, I sat in on the press conference on Sunday, and uh, people were asking Grosjean obviously about about this. Uh, it didn't seem like he. It seemed more like this was a glitch in the system. And I don't th- – should the team have maybe told him, hey, the system glitched and you don't have any push to pass? Yeah, probably. And they kind of did after the race, but they didn't during the race. So he was kind of left confused and kind of a sitting duck out there without any of it. I'm more concerned about the fact that there was a glitch in the push to pass because that to me – when you have a glitch in the push to pass, then all of a sudden you are at a competitive disadvantage from everybody else in the field. Right? Like, you just are. I mean, that would be like an F1 losing DRS. You're just at a competitive disadvantage. You don't have an advantage that other people have. Um, I think that's more problematic. That's not something that I think I've heard, at least not in a very long time, of the push-to-pass system glitching. Um, That's pretty much my biggest concern out of this. Not so much that Andretti didn't tell him, but more so that the push-to-pass system just glitched, and Grosjean had less, or it showed Grosjean having less than he actually did, or he, I mean, I I don't even think we really know how much he actually had. Like, I heard somewhere that he had 90 seconds, and then it it went to zero, you know? So, like, he had used some of it, and then, you know, he thought he still had some left, and then all of a sudden it went to zero. That's what I understood of it, but still... I downshift it, or I, um, yeah, I guess I would, I, I still neutral it, but downshift kind of like, I don't think that this is a good thing. Like the IndyCar needs to probably take that, that electronic system back to the R&D center and be like, whoa, what was the bug here? What was the glitch that, that caused this? Because that's a serious problem. If someone suddenly loses push to pass, they're, they're, like I said, at a competitive disadvantage and that becomes a parity issue and you don't want to have that. Uh, I, uh, I I I kind of upshift in a way that why weren't they on more on top of this? Why didn't they have someone monitoring? Like, hold on a second. He just went from turn five to six and lost ninety seconds. That's impossible. Right. What where did this happen? And why aren't you on the horn with IndyCar about this? Then why aren't you talking about them then during there? It's like, well, hey, buddy, you know what? What can you do to help us out here? We just lost all this time and literally, in it, it, it was it's it's it, it's timely impossible that we lost all these so i kind of downshift that the or a upshift that the team wasn't more aggressive you know they they they, they need to they, they should have been more on top of like hey yeah roman we are working on this something has happened to the system you have to watch your push to pass uh we don't know what happened to him because i think he used some going down a straight and i don't know if that 13 seconds would have helped him out anywhere down the line but all of a sudden he went from like 15 to 2 and he thought he had another 70 uh, in the bank. So, yeah, not uh, the, 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 I feel like the team definitely should have been more proactive in monitoring that and talking with IndyCar. I actually have – I just pulled up the transcript to the press conference where he mentioned, uh, he mentioned it, and I, I'll quote for him. He says – Roman says, maybe I just had a brain freeze and it actually went down. That's what I thought. I thought it was at 99. The next thing, it was at zero. 
We're just going to have to have a look. Maybe it's a glitch in the dashboard software. I don't know. I don't feel like I used 200 seconds. I just want to make sure we understand what happened. Uh, he didn't feel like it would change a lot because Scott and Will were on better tire strategy than him. But Oh, oh, oh um, yeah. And then here's the thing, too. IndyCar should be able to tell how many seconds he used. Yeah, I agree. So I agree with that, too. If the car has, you have zero push to pass left, and IndyCar says, yeah, you only use 110. Well, hold on. Yeah, what? exactly. Like you know, I should still have you. You, know, you should still have pushed a pass left. But yeah, no, that's really where I did downshift. Where Roman, where if this is a situation where Roman literally just didn't pay attention to how much push to pass he was using, then that's yeah. that's different. But if this Why was what he says, but then but at that point the team still got to tell him, hey buddy, we're just letting you know, hey, uh, you, you got fifty seconds. Yeah. Left. The team then should have told him, right? That that's a situation where the team's got to got to relay to him that information, like, "Hey, bud, you're burning up too much push to pass." But this is a situation where, like, if it's, if it's a glitch, if if what Roman is saying is that it really was a glitch and the team didn't catch it or whatever, then yikers! Then you that's a whole nother worm we got kind of worms we got to open up, and IndyCar's got to look into this software because if that happens to someone else again, like I said, it's a massive competitive disadvantage. Massive, massive. All right, next one, Brad Keselowski asked his team to check on William Byron's SMT data to see what he did differently than him on a restart. Do you upshift or downshift this, Rob? I thought it was interesting. I honestly was like, okay. Uh, you know, I thought that was interesting. I have to upshift it because especially when you're trying to learn from your competitors, you're trying to get better. I mean, especially in the NASCAR paddock, you can always learn from one another. I mean, it used to be that way, I think. You know, there used to be a time... Where at least from what I've understood from interviews and and reading stories, that it was not uncommon for drivers to give other drivers advice on how to hand on how to how to race. You know the better lines. You know when to brake, when to gas. You know how to judge lines, how to uh, you know how to do all that. Now, you know the drivers don't tend to like communicate like that, from what I understand. But we have the data. They have the data. So even though like Brad can't go to William, probably wouldn't go to William Byron and be like, "Hey, how how are you driving this this turn? How are you doing that?" Because like William's probably not going to tell tell Brad like his secrets no. or anything. It's not anymore. You know, Dale Earnhardt would tell you would tell you how he did it, and then he'd wreck you because uh, if you if you used it against him. <laughs> but that was Dale, right? That was that was how Earnhardt would do it. He perfectly happy to to help you as long as you didn't beat him in the process right yeah. <laughs> um but you know i think with this new age of drivers i don't think that's that's a very common thing anymore I, i'm sure it's still done i'm sure there's still drivers that seek advice from other drivers especially within teams teammates but for another driver from a completely different team completely other manufacturer to to do that i actually think it's interesting i think it's really and it shows it shows brad's respect level towards byron you know, he's willing to, to look at that and say, okay, well, what, what's Byron doing differently that I'm not? You know, Byron has, like, got, what, 10 years, like, 10 less years than Brad, but Brad is still looking yeah. to see what he's doing different. You know, I think that says more about Willie B than anything. And personally, just, again, it's it's what you got to do, I think, in in modern NASCAR to to succeed. Is just look at other drivers' data and compare it to your own, uh, and see where they're making up time on you. And especially when you have more of that data, I I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. 
I mean, you're just given... I mean, they do this in other races. I mean, they do it in Formula 1. I mean, they tell other drivers... I mean, usually it's their teammates, but... It's not usually from a different team, but even then. I can't say I have a problem with it. Rob, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to downshift. Okay. Disagree with me. That's what makes for a good show. I disagree. I don't like that it comes that easy, right? You're able to say, hey, man, what's he doing different than me? It's like the world today. Okay. We, 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 we hold two people's hands. Why don't you go like, huh, I got beat that, beat on that restart. Me and my, and I've won two NASCAR championships. I've been driving since I was, like, able to walk. Um, my dad was a race car driver. I think maybe his grandpa was, too. I could be mistaken. But anyways, I'm going on here like, you have you have years of racing knowledge. Start scrolling through that proverbial Rolodex of what can I do differently on this restart where I won't get beat. Right? Or, better yet, you know, right, I got beat. Man, I still didn't figure it out. Let's go to the in-car camera. That is the most information you should be able to get from a from a team. It's just the in-car camera. And like, all right, I got to listen to the revs. I got to listen to the engine. That's what I got to listen to. Not like, oh, he braked at this exact point or started letting off the gas at this exact point on the track. Let off, let off, gas, uh, gas a little bit, brake, and gas again. It comes too easy. I never have liked the SMT data sharing. It's not to me. It it, it it's it it's just. I think it it takes away from the competition. I it, it, that's where you make it too equal. All right, like this right here. Like Brad, learn from your mistake, improve upon it right then. And I'm just using Brad as an example. You can insert any driver here because he isn't the first guy to use this. this is, I don't think this is the first time we probably talked about this on the show. But I'm not a fan of the SMT data. So I downshift 100%. Learn from their mistakes. The more experienced driver should be able to figure out something to do differently on that restart quicker. The less experienced guys won't. If that is Noah Graxon up there on the restart, he's probably not going to figure it out. But Brad, who has been racing full-time in the Cup Series since 2010, should know how to figure this out. And I know it's a car, it's only the second year we've used a car, but there's still things he can pull from. Like, okay, I was in second. Maybe if I tried first, don't think about this. I'm, I'm Brad Keselowski. I don't think, I, I don't think Brad walks into this car not knowing the specific gear ratios that he's using. I'm pretty sure he knows that, and he knows where he obviously knows where shift points are. Like, okay, well, let's let's think about this. Yeah, I think first could work. Let's go there. Instead, he calls, "Hey, TJ, or whoever's not maybe damn radio TJ. I don't remember who he radioed, but crew chief, tell me what I can do differently. What did William do there? That's cheating, man. It's legal cheating, and it it's just not right. I just don't like it." If, the, if you could say, Josh, you're president of NASCAR for a day, what five things you're going to do? The SMT, getting rid of SMT sharing data for everyone, live at least during a race maybe, would might make that list. And that's coming from someone who's complained about a lot. So, yeah, I, I just don't like Eric, it. I don't like it. I, don't, I downshift 100%. I'm sorry. Hey, man, you're passionate about it. That's what this segment is for. No, it's for. <laughs> 
All right, on to the next one here. Do you upshift or downshift IndyCar's policy to allow a pit stop cycle to work its way through if a stopped vehicle is out of harm's way? You know what? I went back and forth on this. And I understand why the drivers want it. I understand why the teams want it. But that was a very good point. Is that caution... The way the caution fell, and because they allowed the pit cycle to play through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The three-stop strategy became the dominant strategy. Oh, yeah. And I'm just... Because literally IndyCar even posted a graphic before the race that literally laid out the tire strategy for that day. That you had the two-stopper or the three-stopper. And they even had... They had all the data and everything. And it was like, the two-stopper had a 91% chance at a victory and the three stopper had a nine percent chance and as soon as they threw that caution like well after everybody had finished their what would eventually be the second of three stops yeah you just gave everybody on the three stop the advantage you gave everybody on the three stop strategy essentially an extra advantage an extra set of tires and just we're okay with that like i i don't I understand why the drivers and teams wanted that. Like, I totally get that, because they want they don't want their races to be ruined by an ill-timed caution. I understand. Who does? Who does? But that's racing. That's racing. That's, that's just exactly how it. it is. That's just how yeah. it is. That's, sometimes that just happens. You know? Yeah. It's not... It, it would not be the first time that someone wrecked on a sequence of pit stops. Because, you know, it happens. Cold tires or worn tires are gonna cause cars to lose traction. And... When they lose traction, they spin. Yeah. It happens. It's not, it's happened before and it's going to keep happening. It's going to probably happen at the Indy 500. I guarantee you it later on in, yeah, always of course, happens. someone's going to crash during a pit cycle. It's going to happen. No. No. You just have to deal with it. You and, and people crashing during pit cycles has destroyed Indy 500s for people in the past. Yeah. I could think of tons of drivers who have had their races entirely derailed by an ill-timed pit stop coming in between in the middle of a pit cycle. But you're not going to, like, not throw a yellow for that because that's at an oval track, right? Yeah. You're yeah. going to still try and get the track. I don't think it was fair to make Stingray Rob just sit there in the middle of the track. Like, he's not in the middle of the track. I understand he's off, off the track. He's, yeah. you know, on, off in the grass and everything. But it's still not fair to him. To just leave him there. Because then he, he can't get out. He can't get out because there's still an active racetrack, right? Yep. There's no yep. marshals coming over to him. He's just stuck there. Like, the car is broken. The car doesn't work. He's just stuck. Like, this is it's not fair to him. What did he do to deserve this? Like, nothing. Um, I, I, I didn't like that. I felt like, I mean, they made him sit there for like three laps. Three grueling laps. Until they finally threw the caution, and then it took them maybe about another minute to actually get out to him. Like, I... I didn't like that. I didn't like that, and I downshifted. I downshifted 100% because I just don't think this is... I, again, I understand why the teams want it, but the teams... You don't have to listen to the teams for that. You know? You maybe if there's any change... the. The sanction the IndyCar needs to make when it comes to race control, it's probably a blue flag rule. That would probably be the only thing I could probably 
I could probably say that IndyCar does actually need, which is a blue flag rule. Otherwise, this was not something they needed to copy off of Formula One. And this is something that they decided they wanted to copy from Formula One. And there's a reason why it's controversial in Formula One. And now it's controversial in IndyCar. That's all I got to say. Rob, you had a very long and elegant answer. Mine's going to be simple. If this had occurred on lap two, are you throwing a caution? If Stingray Rob had pulled to the side in the same exact spot on lap two, are you throwing a caution? And I'm going to leave you with that. And if you can't decipher how I'm shifting, I don't know what to tell you. So that's my answer to that. That's my answer. Next question. McLaren CEO Zach Brown said that racing shouldn't go all electric following an everyday transportation way. I think he's wrong on that. But citing people, uh, he said, quote, people don't ride horses to work anymore, but there is still horse racing. <laughs> Do you upshift or downshift? Well, this is a wild concept because the idea of horse racing is so different than the idea of motor racing. Yeah. So that's weird to me. I mean, they're two entirely different sports in and of themselves. The fans of horse racing are typically not fans of motor racing and vice versa. I think the only time horse fans probably watch an auto race is for the Indy 500, and the only time race fans is watching Kentucky Derby. Yeah, so, you're right. You're right. You're not, <laughs> not, you're not wrong. And that's complete, two completely different worlds. Hey, we were there watching about. the Kentucky Derby in 2019 when the first person got disqualified. First, yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, you look, look. I, I am for blocking, for blocking too. I remember yeah, that horrible. horrible call, horrible call. A horse can block. Yeah, okay. I didn't realize the horse made that decision. I, yeah. I, I did, did the jockey. I don't even know if the jockey made that decision. Yeah. But anyway, um, it's two completely different. Is, points and it's kind of an irrelevant idea because we didn't we didn't start racing horses because they were our transportation we started racing cars because well it was fun and they were our transportation you know we weren't going to race our horse it's not like we were trying to race our horses and see how fast our horses could go to get to work i mean we were doing that with cars though we were doing it with cars my thing about this besides the fact that I think his analogy is off. Um, look, electric cars are here to stay whether you like it or not. I mean, whether we like it or not, whether the world likes it or not, electric cars are here. And the big auto companies and the new auto companies are going to keep pushing them on the consumer until as enough people adapt that they're satisfied. That being said, that being said, uh, it's still never, it's, it, 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 the com, ICE, the com, internal combustion engine is not going to go the way of the, the Dodo anytime soon. As far as I know, it's still the most efficient, it's still the most practical way. I mean, electric cars have their positives, electric cars have their place. I think electric cars are probably more suited for city driving, in all honesty. I think if you're going to drive an electric car, you best live in the city. Anywhere else... I think you're pushing it if you're driving a an electric car in the suburbs. I think depending on your commute and depending on how long you drive, I think you're pushing it. But I think electric cars can, you know, they can be 
uh, feasible or what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, practical coming from the suburbs. But anywhere outside of, the, you know, once you get outside of the suburbs, what is the practicality of an electric car? There is none. I mean, once you get into the rural areas of America and the rest of the world, the practicality of an electric car entirely goes away. So I, I don't think you're going to see, the, like I said, I don't think you're going to see the ICE engine go away. But that being said, too, is that doesn't mean that I don't like electric racing. I think electric racing has its place. I think every form of racing has its place. If you have a form, a formula, that can create a car that can go fast and competitively race, then why, by all means, do it. If that means we're powering our cars with hydrogen in the future, by all means, let's do it. You know, I don't care how you're making the cars go, just so long as they go fast and they race each other. That's all I care about, right? Do I think racing should go all electric? Absolutely not. Of course not. But that doesn't mean that electric racing doesn't have its place. I think it does have its place, it just hasn't carved its niche, niche out yet. And it's, it'll get there. It's getting there. It'll have, it'll, it's still going to take some time. Formula E is doing what they can. They're, they're doing the best they can, I think, to try and sell people on electric car racing. They're making it exciting for race fans who are like me and, again, don't really care what powers the engine as long as it's entertaining. You know, I, I watched the motorcycle, the Moto E, the electronic, the electric bike racing. I thought it was cool. It was, it was interesting. It was unique. But it, is it going to replace, you know, standard MotoGP for me? No, of course not. In the same regard that Formula E is not going to replace Formula One or anything for me. You know, Formula One is still going to be the top echelon of motorsports uh, in the world. IndyCar is still going to be the top open wheel division in, in, in America. NASCAR is still going to be NASCAR in the United States. None of that's going to change, even if they create electric counterparts. I think those racing series are still going to stay the racing series. Like, you know, IndyCar might make some kind of electric hybrid, and that's fine. That's great. NASCAR might make an all-electric touring series. That's fine. But it's not like the Indy 500 and the Cup Series are going to go to all-electric. I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't think that Zach... I don't understand where he's coming from here. He thinks that this is going to happen, or like... It's, it's, I don't think it's going to happen at all. Like, where is this fear that racing is going to go all electric? I don't know where this fear is, is coming from. I think our road cars, yes, and electric racing is still going to have its place. But to, the, to, to, to think to the idea that F1 or NASCAR or IndyCar or anything else, for that matter, is going to go all electric, to me, just seems like a little bit alarmist. Especially, especially not now. I think you're looking at maybe another 50 years before that even has an actual threat of happening. I mean, the oil industry is still massive. I mean, destroying the oil industry is going to take a lot more work than just, you know, a few hippies driving electric cars. I mean, it, it, this, is, this is all an odd statement out of, out of him. But in general, I agree with the idea that racing shouldn't go all electric but i don't think it will and i don't agree with the comparison to horse racing as well because i think those are two completely different beasts 
separate in and of each other. And in all honesty, the only way that they could be similar is if betting became a bigger part of motor racing, which it really hasn't so, as much as I thought it would. I mean, I, I look, I've placed bets on races before, and I've lost them horribly. It, even if you know the sport inside and out, it could still be really, really hard to get that stuff good. Whereas with horse racing, you look at the odds, you make a decent guess, and you've got a solid shot. I mean, in auto racing, it's just too, too unpredictable. I, that's all I have to say about that, Josh. I'll turn the, turn the thing over to you. I actually thought his now his the people don't ride horses. I thought that was actually good. I like that. I enjoyed that. I think that's a kind of actually a good point. I think um, myself, but um, I mean, yeah, I think where if, where he's coming from is there's this rose colored glasses inside that electric cars are better through and through and i and i personally don't think that's true and yet you i think we still get some people and he lives in europe so it's worse over there than it is over here in the states um for the the push for alternative fuels and uses for cars so i i i i, I don't know i don't I, I don't want to live over there uh no offense europe um but uh i think that's just i think a little bit like you said you said a good word an alarmist deal but I think he's also saying, kind of speaking to racing sanctioning body executives, hey, look, we don't ride horses to, we don't use horses to transport people and goods anymore. Yet we still race horses. We can still use internal combustion engines because, quite frankly, they're cooler than electric engines, and we can have a good show. And we should. Um, I think that's maybe where he's coming from. Again, you kind of got to guess on this one a little bit. So I guess, I don't know, maybe I kind of upshift this. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I kind of more so upshift this thing because I think he's, ta he's talking to the sanctioning bodies. He's talking to the, he's talking to the OEMs. Look, look, there's still a place for horses. Right? But we... Don't use it as a... There's a very small percentage of people in the world that use horses to transport people and, and, uh, and they're good. The goods that they, they, they make, produce, or farm, um, there's a very small percentage. A very, 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 very small percentage. Um, especially if you just look at the, the, the first world, you know? Uh, you go to the third world, maybe things are a little bit different. But the first world... Where most of these conversations are happening, I, I think it's I think it's where he's talking with. So I guess I'll take a different look than you on that one. Uh, and that's fair interpretation. So uh, on this next one here, the contact between Max Verstappen and George Russell in the Azerbaijan Sprint Race and subsequent damage to Verstappen's car was George Russell's fault. Do you object to that? <laughs> well, it's oh, this is a tough one. I don't. I thought it was a racing deal. Personally, I'll tell you what, mine, I downshift. It was a racing deal, and Max Verstappen is turning into, I'm sorry, I know he won today, he's turning into Martin Truex Jr. Hey, you can't race me. Uh-uh, you can't race me. That's what kind of Max Verstappen is turning into. And, and, and I, 
I understand, yeah, you're mad. You got damage to your car, but that's just racing the opening lap. Get over it. I'm sorry. Finish your No, I, I, I'm glad that you said your piece because I, I was very similar to what I had. I, it's basically the same. I mean, it's a first lap, first turn. What are you going to do? That's it's what the happens. first sequence of turns. And then first the street sequence like turns. that, it's, it's a tight street course. This isn't like Silverstone where you have so much runoff where you can like, oh, you ran me wide. Okay, fine. Here we go. We'll, we'll settle back in. No, you run wide. Your car's halfway through a wall, you know? Or why right. do you try to go through the wall? You can't do anything about that. You'll end up in the castle. <laughs> you'll, wind up in the, you'll, uh, you'll wind up in the dungeon. Boom. Yeah. You'll wind right up in the dungeon of the castle. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean you're right. It's 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 a racing deal. I think Max is being too too upset about things. He shouldn't be. He's becoming. I hate to say it, but he he's becoming a prima donna about it about stuff. And I don't like saying that because I think Max deserves better. But um, yeah. I I don't know about that. I thought it was. I thought it was fine. I. I I didn't think it was fine, but I was like, it's a racing deal. You're both going for the same piece of real estate. It's like the first lap, dude. I mean, everybody's, especially on the first lap of anything, everybody's trying to get as many positions as they can on the first lap because that's your best opportunity to do it. I mean, if you can't do it then, then you got to do it on pit road. And it, that can be a whole different beast in and of itself because you got to nail everything on pit road and you got to nail the undercut. You got to nail your in lap, got to nail your out lap. Passing guys on the opening lap is the easiest chance you have in gated track position, really. Um, and so I, 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 I just, and even then, it's a sprint race. What were we talking? We were just talking about earlier. We started the whole show talking about how pointless the gosh darn sprint races are, and Verstappen is throwing his hands up about a race that doesn't even freaking matter in the long run. Yeah, it's eight points. It's yeah, eight, but you- you'll you'll literally get another pull. And get another fastest lap and win a race and probably score all those points back. Like, uh, and, and George Russell, will he, he's will, will he have that opportunity? No. He's going to lose the championship by two points to Checo Perez. And he's going to point back at Azerbaijan and say, George, you cost me. Look, man, sometimes that happens, but I think you've got a hard time pushing me. I, you know, I had a hard time believing that's going to happen this time. Yeah, that's racing. All right. Uh, according to a story by Black Book Motorsport, NASCAR is prioritizing international development and the potential for running exhibition races in Europe. Do you upshift or downshift? Wow. Uh, this is this is interesting because you want me to give my answer again first because mine. Yeah, go short. ahead and give your answer first. I want to hear yours. I want to hear how you feel about this. They've got a lot other irons in the fire they've got to cool off and brand on something first before they start dabbling in this they got to fix this car they got to get the racing better they got to work with goodyear to have tires that work properly and instead of t- goodyear worrying about their brand like oh my gosh people don't think these tires are going to last very long they don't no they, i have had goodyear you know, tires on my car for a very long time i know they last a long time Goodyear does not need to sell that to me. I put Goodyear tires on my car because I know they last, but gosh darn it, in NASCAR, I want them to wear. <laughs> exactly. They got to get it. They, they have to get a more powerful engine. They've got to square this issue out with the teams before all hell breaks loose. Um, and they've got to find a way to, 
I tell you what, the Dover crowd today looked really good. I wonder if that had anything to do with the, um, oh, wait, I can stay. The race is going to start at noon. I can get back home at a decent hour. Great. Awesome. Maybe they got to get the TV stuff squared away. There's a lot of other things NASCAR needs to worry, needs to worry about. And international development and potential for any exhibition races anywhere else outside the United States honestly needs to be put on hold until they can get these things squared away. They're not in a position to be worrying about this stuff and prioritizing this stuff at all. And again, that just to me goes back to the temporary short track thing that we've been lied to about now in Auto Club disconnect. There is a disconnect between management and what is on the ground. They're starting to act like, I won't name a former employer, but they're starting to act like my former employer. They're, that it's, it's rough. It's rough to see a lot of this go on um, because there is so much confusion amongst what NASCAR seems to want to do in the leadership roles. And this is another situation where it's just, this isn't something that they need to be focused on. Yeah. In the 90s, international exhibition races were probably the right way to go. A great, great opportunity, especially in Japan. Uh, would I love to see NASCAR run in Australia? Absolutely. I think a lot of people in Australia would love to see NASCAR in the same regard as a lot of people here in the States would love to see the supercars come here again. Uh, we both, I think, Everybody would love that. I'd love to see driver swaps. I'd love to see NASCAR drivers compete at Bathurst. I'd love to see NASCAR drivers compete in Gold Coast, Sandown, all these places. I'd love to see supercars drivers compete at Daytona. But that's not what NASCAR should be prioritizing right now. That's my fantasy. That's my pipe dream. That's not something that NASCAR should be actually prioritizing, especially not you know, in, in Europe either. I feel like you have the Wheel and Euro series. Build that series. I mean, there's here's the thing. In Europe, there's small racing series all over the place. Yeah. Like, the sheer amount of racing that you can watch in Europe is staggering. And they're all small. Usually, almost all of them have, at the very least, free YouTube streams that you can watch. Um... It, it, on, it, you know, you can rewatch. You can watch them live. Rewatch them anytime you want. Like, this is... That's the stuff that NASCAR should be trying to capture, capture fans of that kind of stuff, because there's that market there for it. A lot of people in Great Britain, especially when I, and Europe, especially when I had access to Motors TV way back in the day, that would play all types of different European racing, including the NASCAR Wheeling Series. And I loved watching it. I loved watching those races. I loved watching all over them. You have that there. That's what you need to focus on. Get people... Get people involved and interested in the Wheel and Euro series. You know, try and get a TV deal. You know, maybe not if you could if you could get one worked out with Sky. Great. If it has to be BT Sport, Eurosport, it is what it is. You know, try and get a better TV deal over there. You know, that's these are the things that NASCAR needs to be thinking about internationally, not bringing the Cup Series internationally. Because, like you mentioned too, it's that disconnect. You know, the down to, like, what do the fans want? What do the teams want? What do the drivers want? Well, they don't know. They don't know what anybody wants. They don't even know what they want to do, it seems. The management up there doesn't even know what they want to do right now. So, yeah, I downshift this. This is not something that NASCAR needs to be prioritizing by any means, and I'm hoping that they're not prioritizing it. I'm hoping that this is just... This is just a 
little story, the short blurb. But if they really are prioritizing this, this is problematic to me, to say the least. It's very problematic because there's a lot. They, there's there's the next gen car you got to work on. There's there's the new television contract you got to work on. You got to nail that down. There's all the drivers and the. Did you hear what Tony Stewart? I don't know if you. The, God, did you? I I sorry to get off topic, and I don't mean to, but this is actual serious stuff. But Tony Stewart, Tony Stewart went to Kenny Wallace's show, Kenny Wallace's podcast. I don't know if you watched this or heard some of the things about it, but he was really, he was trying to be, he was trying to be truthful in a way that wouldn't get him in trouble. <laughs> okay, yeah. And, and and a lot of what he said was, was very eye-opening, very earth-shattering, kind of earth-shattering, I guess, to me. Um, and one of those things that, you know, took what, what surprised me was that Tony seems to have share the same kind of sentiments with us, where he's not, he knows that they're not exactly looking at the right things. You know, they're not exactly prioritizing the right way, and they can't handle things the way that they used to be able to because of how things are in in modern times. Um, and they're they're trying all these different kind of ideas and they're not they're not listening to the people that they need to be listening it's a lot like indycar listening to the boston consulting group you know instead of just listening to their fans they ousted randy bernard and listened to a consulting group that primarily works with businesses and gave them some advice that they're still paying for today you know nascar is going to be in the in, in, they're very likely to be in the same situation very soon where if they continue to do these things that, quite honestly, aren't smart, aren't in the best interest of the sport, aren't in the best interest of the drivers, aren't in the best interest of the teams or the fans. You're just going to continue to go down this this road of mediocrity and perpetual just nobody knows what's going on, and you can't stick to things, and it just becomes all problematic, and that's what I'm worried about. So that's why I downshift that. Absolutely. All right, uh, we got two more questions here, Rob. Big teams in NASCAR need to institute restrictions on what their drivers can do outside of the race car in order to protect them from getting injured. Do you upshift or downshift? I mean, honestly, I, I don't... <sighs> Rusty Wallace was talking in the booth. He was explaining, you know, how Roger Penske yeah, tell him yeah. no. And I yeah. thought that was interesting, and that's one way to do it. But race fans, we love it when our when drivers get into something different. You know, people who didn't like Jimmy Johnson suddenly loved him as soon as he stepped foot in an Indy car. Yeah. Right? I mean, Tony Stewart became such a popular NASCAR driver. Uh, you know, Danica Patrick in the same way. People love it when, you know, Tony Stewart had more success than Danica, but whatever. People love it when um, you you when drivers transition and cross over and it's good for the sport. It grows, grows the sport as a whole. It grows multiple sports. Um, and I think especially with, with NASCAR drivers competing in dirt tracks, this is necessary. This is just, I, I don't think I, I gave my spiel about how I think sprint car and midget racing needs to be safer. It does, but I already said that. So I'm not going to say that right now. I'm going to say that sprint car at dirt racing needs NASCAR drivers because these dirt fans have this superiority complex in them, and, yeah. and I, I'm I'm not saying this is like a bad thing. I'm not saying this like to tear down dirt fans because I understand 
I understand where they come from. But at the same time, why is it bad that, you know, Kyle Larson or Chase Briscoe or Alex Bowman in this case going out and running a sprint car race, why is that bad if it gets old schmoes like me to go to Kokomo Raceway? Like, why is that a bad thing? Like, if I want to go see Casey Kane, like, I was legitimately considering seeing Casey Kane go run in Tri-State. Like, I considered it until I found out he wasn't going to it until I looked at my books and remembered, oh, yeah, I'm unemployed and can't afford to do fun things. Um, I, I would have considered that. Why would that be bad? Why would, why would the dirt community not want someone like me to go see that race? Like, I, I could love it and then come back the rest because I saw someone I liked. I, I saw someone I wanted to see. It's the same thing. Like, if I go to a baseball game, like when I went to Wrigley, I went to Wrigley and I wore my Mariners gear, right? I'm obviously here for the other team. I'm here for the away team. I get that. But I loved Wrigley. So now all those Cubs fans that might have been that uh, honestly I w- I won't say that the Cubs fans were actually very nice to me, but all those people who might say oh well, why why are you here you know why are you rooting for the other team well no now I want to go back to Wrigley, you know that's why I wanted to go I now I want to go back for an actual Cubs game, you know I I I would be willing to do that again it's the same sh- situation here, you know it's good for the sport. It's good for the sport of auto racing as a whole when you get more fans out to the track by whatever means necessary. So I don't think that there should be any restrictions necessarily. I just think, obviously, I wish sprint and midget racing was just just had to save more safety advances than they've had. I mean, don't get me wrong. They've had some safety advances. I, I won't say that they, it's not that they haven't done nothing in the past 10, 15 years. But in comparison to other motorsports in that time, time frame they have really not done that much in terms of safety and that is the biggest problem that is right now the biggest problem i have with dirt racing again is my fear for a lot of the driver's safety um but that doesn't mean that i don't like dirt dirt racing i still like it and i still think that these drivers should be able to do it because again it get you have all these dirt track fans think about it you have all these dirt track fans that are so stubborn and so like Dirt track racing is superior. I will never love NASCAR. If you go see a NASCAR racer that is committed to dirt racing on the weekdays and then goes and runs the pavement cars on Sundays, again, I would hope that that would not, that would sweeten some of their feelings towards NASCAR and vice versa. It helps them. Exactly. It's not a bad thing for these drivers to be running these races. Um, And it's not just sprint and midget races. You know, if... Kyle Larson's supposed to run the Indy 500 next year. That's not something that I want to see go away either. I don't want to close our book on that. I, you, you can't close the book on people doing the double. I mean, that's one of the most prestigious accomplishments and hardest accomplishments because, number one, you've got to put together two deals now to run the Indy 500 and run the NASCAR 600. You've got to basically run in the whole NASCAR season to have a chance at running the 600. Unless you're going to take a crummy ride with Rick Ware, in which case you're not going to have a chance to participate in one of the races. You might have a competitive car in the 500, but by the time you get to the 600, you're just going to be running around there five laps down, and it's not going to be very fun. You're going to complete all of 1,100 miles, but at what cost? You know, you might have finished sixth in Indy, at Indy, but you'll finish 34th at Charlotte, and it doesn't really feel like you ran the double even though you did. 
So to put something together like that, I mean, it requires that kind of commitment to the, not just the Cup Series, but also for sponsors. It's, a, it's hard to do. You can't, if, if a driver is able to do it, I don't, I don't believe that team owners should be preventing them from, from growing the sport, growing their brand, growing as a racer. I think it can only benefit racers by getting more track time, no matter where it is. You know, the more time a driver is behind the wheel of an actual race car, and, and as much as I love sim racing, it doesn't hold a candle to the actual thing. Like, if someone told me that I could have the nicest iRacing rig in the world for the rest of my life, or I could test run a couple of hot laps out in a midget, I would do the hot laps in the midget in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? So again, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, and I don't want to see this kind of thing be discontinued. I'll keep mine short and sweet. Uh, let people live their lives. Um, I understand that you're not wanting them to get hurt. I think Roger Penske's always gone a little bit overboard. Um, and he's very business minded. It's why we don't see Will Power or Joseph Newgarden or Scott McLaughlin get a chance to run a even a one-off Xfinity or Cup race. If it doesn't make financial business, Lord knows we all want Scotty back in a Cup or car. Like at right. some point, he has to get in a Cup car. If SVG's getting in a Cup car, you have to put Scotty Mack in the Cup car. It's not it it, it you have to. <laughs> right. Um. But yeah, he doesn't make it. He doesn't make it. If it doesn't make financial sense, he doesn't do it. Um, but at the same point in time, I think it's, if you want to live in that life and you're like, if you're 100% committed to just what you're, what the cup or Xfinity, yeah, go drive for Penske, fine. But if you want to, I think for everyone else, you gotta, gotta live a little bit of life, man. Um, cause I think we've heard where, you know, Chase Elliott likes to do the snowboarding thing because it helps focus him you know that he you he, that has some sort of an advantage to him in the car whether that be an actual mental or or maybe it's just i'm more relaxed because i did this this week right um or maybe they feel better about themselves they're giving back you know to to the roots because you know alex bowman going to this track is maybe going to bring 100 more people there well that's 100 more tickets to that promoter 100 more tickets to that track um in then outside, I again, if I'm a car owner, I'm like, hey, I don't want you going skydiving five days a week. Right. <laughs> Probably don't want you doing that. But yeah, you want to go skydiving tomorrow? Right. Go for it. Um, just but, don't do it again. <laughs> just, just keep it to once a year. Okay. Once a year. Um, but you live their life. So, um, you know, I downshift. I, under, I, I appreciate Hendrick Motorsports definitely being more open. Ever since they've got Larson there to the opportunities that they've granted Chase, they've granted William uh, and Bowman by Larson arriving there. I think that's great. I don't want to see that go away. I don't want to see that go away for anybody. And I want—I would love to have every car owner out there saying, yep, yeah, we encourage our drivers to do what they want and a safe, healthy amount, right? That's what you. That's kind of how it should be. Um, but Bowman is basically fully sponsored when he's out there running the sprint cars. I mean, he's got full ally sponsorship. It's not like he's doing this just... I mean, he's still building a sponsorship relationship that is still key to Hendrick Motorsports. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, last question here, Rob. Do you upshift or downshift that Max Verstappen is bluffing 
as he has doubled down his threats to quit Formula One this week, this weekend following what he perceives as changes from sporting to business priorities. Oh, he's bluffing. Every time a Red Bull driver threatens to quit F1, he's bluffing. Because here's the thing. Where's Verstappen going to go? He doesn't want to do IndyCar. He's been very, very vocal about not wanting to do IndyCar. He's not going to do NASCAR. He's not going to... He sees WEC, I'm sure, as below, beneath him. Right? Everything below Formula One is beneath him. Exactly. So where is he going to go? Is he really going to give up a promising racing career where he's just won two back-to-back world cha- titles? Is he really just going to give that all up because he doesn't agree with the with the direction of Formula One? You know, a lot of people don't like the direction IndyCar's going in. A lot of people don't like the direction NASCAR's going in. But they still race there because it's their livelihood. It's yeah. very, very, it's very brash for, for Verstappen to say this. In the same regard, as it was brash for Red Bull to threaten to quit multiple times over disagreements they had with the sporting sporting regulators or whatever with the sporting uh the sporting code or gosh darn it the fia there there we go um you know he's bluffing this is a this is an easy bluff because again he's not going to go anywhere else if if max verstappen had a totally different tune and said yeah i think i'd like to run the indy 500 someday then i could believe it but since max verstappen has said the indy 500 scares him and that it's crazy I don't see where he's going to go. He's not going to go anywhere else. And if you think that he's going to just retire somewhere in in Holland with uh, Julia PK or whatever. Yeah, I think he's that's retiring who he's in Brazil, bro. He ain't retiring. Whatever. Okay, well, I would retire in Holland because I'm from there. But that's – I digress. Maybe he wants to get away from his dad. I mean, I under, to, I would totally understand that then. <laughs> this is the, the guy who left you at a gas station. I would probably want to get away from him too. <laughs> So, but, you know, I I just think he's bluffing. It's pretty easy to see that he's bluffing here. This is not a serious threat. Because, again, where is he, where is he going to go? He's not going to give up his entire racing career because of this. And he's not going to go somewhere that he believes is beneath him. So, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 he's bluffing 100%. Upshift. He's bluffing. Where is he going to go? I don't even have anything else to add because I can't add anything to it. I'm not going to repeat everything you say. So, <laughs> Max, shut up and race because we all know you're going to t- you, you, your accountant's going. Uh, yeah, you can't quit yet. You can't. You don't have enough savings to quit yet. You don't have enough billions of dollars to quit yet. You you must. You are not making Lewis Hamilton money. Lewis yeah. Hamilton could pick up take his ball and go home anytime yeah. he wanted to, but he doesn't. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. So Max has got a. I, I, I respect his opinion that, like, again, you know, the sprint race changes here. Is it a business or sporting? I think you could make the argument for both. I don't think, I think he's got a long ways to go. I think, I think that Formula One has a long ways to go before Max should actually be worried. Yeah. Um, Racing is a business in a, and, and a sport. Like, that was the first... I, when I took a class I, at IUPUI, that was the first thing they told me. It was like, what racing I, is a business and a sport. What? No, no, no. Racing is a subset of sport. Sport is a subset of entertainment. Re- entertainment is a subset of business. And you are down the chain. True. So you, you've, you've got to understand that. And if he can't understand that, I can't help him. Right? Right. 
But I just don't know. Yeah, look, you, I don't know what he would do. I don't know what he would do and say, like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and walk away now because my feelings are hurt. Gosh, what a millennial. All right. On to the... Dude is literally, like, four years younger than us. You know that, right? Okay, fine. G- that makes it worse. Gen Z? Yeah, well, he's, he is technically Gen, Gen Z. Okay, okay, Gen Z makes it worse. You and okay. I are fringe millennials. You and I are uh, yeah. fringe millennials. Yes. Anyone born after us is is Gen Z. Okay, Gen Z, that makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. It just makes it worse. Shut up. All right, just, just Max. Just I don't I don't like the whole shut up and race deal. I don't like to say that. It's like kind of like saying but, saying your but name. Shut up and race. <laughs> shut up and but shut up and race because you are in a position that so many drivers dream about. Right. And you are just. You you're you're letting your little feelings get hurt because I have to do this. This is what my red sprint race. Like, okay, you're making fifty million dollars a year. You're making more money than I will see in my lifetime. <laughs> you are making more money in a single. You are making more money in like half a year in six months than most people will ever see in their life that will ever earn total in their life so just you don't take it for granted okay rob we got 12 minutes i i I just hope that if he doesn't walk away because the worst case scenario is when we talk about what's he gonna do what's he gonna do the worst thing that he could do is do the jacques villeneuve and just cut an album that would be the worst case scenario max isn't cool enough to do that no, but I, what else is he going to do? He's going to have to try and get another revenue stream. He's got to make money somehow, right? Air Max. Oh, that could, believe me, it's going to all lead down a road to cutting an album. That's what's going to happen. And we're going to hear a raspy-voiced rap album that's auto-tuned to hell and has the same beat over and over again in the background. Every song has the same beat, only there's one instrument added in each each subsequent song. So like the first track starts out with just the, the drum beat and the hi-hat. Too much. No, I haven't. Yeah. I'm actually making this up all on the, on my own. But by the, by the time you get to like the last track, it's got like all the, it's got the full drum set. You got the full drum set in. You still got no other instruments, but you got the full drum set. You got the hi-hat, the toms, the snare, the bass drum, you know, you got the, you got the cymbals. Yeah. Okay, Rob, before we go down this dark, dark path anymore of max for stopping hypothetically cutting an album that's terrible (laughs) weekend wrap up go (laughs) okay uh things i can wrap up are the supercars were in wanaru uh great racing great racing Uh, a lot of parody fun stuff uh svg won race one then uh will brown and erebus won race two really thought in race one though erebus had a great weekend all around brody kostecki was so close to winning another race i was like brody this has got to be yours because you know, the the race at Melbourne, that didn't count. That didn't count. That Nobody, even Brody, will probably say that didn't count. You can't win a five-lap race and, for your first lap race and call that count. And I thought he was, it was like, this is this is going to be his time. Brody's going to get redemption this time. And then SVG happened. <laughs> he, but he raced too clean. He did give him a few nudges here and there. But that's racing. Robin's racing a little bit. He didn't, he... He didn't wreck him. He gave him some nudges here and there and moved him out of the way and forced Brody into a, in a, into a mistake. So it wasn't like it was anything dirty. And that's exactly why I'm excited to see SVG in Cup Car, because if that's how SVG races, knowing that 
the stewards are looking down his shoulder. Imagine how he's going to race when he knows literally anything goes. Just plow your way through. First lap, first turn, SVG goes straight to the front by just using his car as a bulldozer. It's going to happen, I guarantee you. He's going to win the race by wrecking like four different guys. Oh, boy. And, and, and they're going to wreck him back on every subsequent restart. And he's and he's gonna have the time of his life because he can't do this in supercars. And Lord knows, you know he won't. Every time SVG gets to the back of someone, I swear he just plays with them and just kind of rub, like nudges them and like bumps them and rubs them and gives them a hard time. Tries to force them into a mistake, and then if they don't, he can't force them into a mistake. Then he'll just give them that little chrome horn just here and there, move them out of the way. That's how he runs. Um, but now when he's he's gonna go into NASCAR, I could. Almost guarantee he's going to, again, doing another homage to Jacques Villeneuve. I brought him up a lot. He cut an album, and uh, he also used his race car as a battering ram in NASCAR. Uh, so <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to be channeling Canada's great Jacques Villeneuve here. Um, but anyway, in race three, Brock Feeney won uh, his, second, his second supercars race. or th I think it's third. I thought, I thought it was second or third. Um, Brock Feeney, again, it's great to see the young 20-year-old getting that victories. Uh, he's got big shoes to fill. Jamie Winkup has big, is, is, it's not an easy task to fill his shoes, but so far, Brock Feeney, uh, has done a, a pretty solid job of that. Um, Formula Ch 1 had a sprint race, there was in Baku, the sprint race that didn't count, that counted but didn't count, Checo won that, um, and then in F2, Oliver Behrman became the first driver to sweep every single session in, in F2 weekend. Now, uh, we have had a driver, I think it was, uh, Awasa, who swept the weekend last year. Uh, but he did not sweep the timing charts either. Ali Behrman did. So an absolute dominating, I mean, this, again, winning, sweeping an F2 weekend is just difficult in and of itself because of the reverse grid. Like, it doesn't, like, if, wherever you are on the reverse grid, it's either gonna hurt you or help you. You know, so it's really, really tough. Because especially, like, if you have a fast car that's set up for clean air, you take the reverse grid and you start eighth. That's, or you start eighth or tenth or something. You know, that's that's tough. You've got an ill-handling race car most of the time. And you've got to make adjustments. You've got to come and get wing adjustments on your pit stop, which is something that a lot of these young drivers, they don't do very often. You know, they don't know how to handle that, especially with an ill-handling race car, make adjustments in the race. I mean, F2, especially, you got to do that in those, uh, in those uh, reverse grid races. Uh, and so it's just so hard. So every time this happens, I think it's a massive feat for drivers to do it, um, just because it's so difficult. It's, it's not something that's easy to be done. I mean, imagine in, F, if, in F1, if they did the sprint race, if they actually, you qualified for the sprint race, and then they reverse the grid of the sprint race. I mean, whoever started on the pole for that race, let's say they're starting eighth, they're not going to win the race. They're probably not going to win the race, no matter how much you want to say it, it'll probably happen. Just because all that dirty air get back there, it's a shorter race. It's just tough. It's it's hard to make your way through the field. Um, so for Ollie Behrman to be able to do that is huge. And he had the fast car, so he was a pole sitter. So, uh, And then the Azerbaijan Grand Prix was won by Sergio Perez. Uh, Checo on a winning streak. Yeah. Good to see. Good to see. Hey. If you're a Checo fan, lots of Mexican fans could be very, very excited when uh, the Mexican GP rolls around. Red Bull drivers, two and two. Mm-hmm. Gotta love yes. it. Gotta and love it. it. And it's it's been 
we're stopping Sergio. We're stopping Sergio. It's this is going to be fun going into uh, this weekend at Miami. I don't mind a good old fashioned teammate brawl. Oh, I want it. It, like this, especially between Max and Checo. I don't think Checo's going to lay down. Checo's mm-hmm. in his best opportunity to win a world championship. When if you had told him that ten years ago after the whole McLaren debacle went down, I don't think he would have at, at all believed you that believed that that would even be possible Checo is going to be hungry especially if we get to like the summer break and he's still in contention for a championship Max is going to be even he's going to be throwing even more hissy fits if at that rate um the IndyCar series was at Barber Scott McLaughlin won that it was a thrilling battle between him and Roman Grosjean Grosjean that first win is coming I don't know when he feels kind of excited about the Indy Grand Prix because that was where he got his first podium he's got two podiums Right, but that's where he got his first podium. That's his first yeah. IndyCar podium was was at the was at the Grand Prix in twenty one. So he's looking forward to that. Um, and the Arkham Menard series East. This was a great. Did you see the finish to this race? This was a fantastic little race. I did not. Oh my gosh, this was a fun race. Jake Finch, uh, the son of James Finch, the longtime owner of uh, of Phoenix Racing, yeah. um, in in the Cup Series. He won. And this was just a great race. I mean, this was honestly 15 cars started or was supposed to start by the end of the, you know, first or second, first halfway break. I think maybe only 10 or 11 cars were still in the race. And even then they were all lapped down. But that didn't matter. I mean, the racing up front was great. I mean, there weren't, there might not have been a lot of cars on the track, but there was some fun racing up front. I mean, it didn't, it, there was a lot of, uh, the tire, tire strategy, tire wear was big, especially at, at that, because of the rain, because yeah. of the rain washing up off all the rubber, and they had the Xfinity race right before, so all that rubber was already down there before, and man, it, it was, it was just a good, good show overall, it was a fun little finish there. Um, then the Xfinity series was also at Dover, that was before the, uh, Arco East race at, 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 uh, Dover. Ryan Truex, finally, we talked about him. He finally won his first career NASCAR National Series victory. Man, I was so happy when he took the white flag. You have no idea how happy I was when he took the white flag because then I saw it on, on, on Twitter. Keani posted it, um, he, he, uh, the finish to the Dover race from 2012 that Truex lost. Yeah. And I I saw it, and I was like, dude, I have not watched this this race. I have not rewatched that race since I watched it live. And I just had to go through the whole stages of grief again until I remembered that he won. <laughs> yep. I mean, I, I, that, I forgot just how painful that race loss was for him. And now to finally get the redemption, it was pretty great. And then the Cup Series, hey, his brother Martin won the race, breaking a 54-race winless streak, dating all the way back to Richmond in 2021. And he did a it on huge- tires. He did do it on two tires. I could not believe he made two tires work. I thought, I sat there, I said... I said that last caution came out with Logano, and I said, "All right, you got to take four. You got to take four. Like you can't. You got to take four. You got to take four. You got to take four. Everybody, I figured everybody was going to take four. And here's Truex taking two. And in all honesty, it made sense. I think the call made sense, especially for the track position, because the track position was about as important as the tire wear. I did want to say this about the tire wear at Dover race today. I really actually." Liked it. I felt like the green racetrack made the tires wear a lot more, and you had a lot of green flag runs. I think we only had a couple of cautions for incident, and the others were the rest were for stages. And I I appreciated that. So I felt like we were very lucky, and it's the tale of two or three, I guess, different styles of racing. In the F1 race, you have long green flag runs, 
and the race was boring because there's little to no tire wear. In the IndyCar race, you have a long green flag run, but the race is pretty good because of pit strategy and tire strategy and tire wear. You have the cup race that has long green flag runs multiple times, which longer green flag runs than I think NASCAR is used to. And people are hailing this as like one of the better races of the season because of all the tire wear that happened. And the green racetrack, I think, definitely helped a lot of that. You had the, the, the surface, the concrete surface at Dover didn't rubber in uh, right away. It wasn't rubbered in right away. So the tires wore real quick in that first stage. And you had a lot of comers and goers throughout the stages, which was really enjoyable to watch. But that, but yeah, Truex making it on two tires was really an excellent, interesting call. I knew the tire track position was key and the clean air was key, but I also knew that the tires were key. It's just interesting to me that the the clean air definitely seemed to be the equalizer. That not the equalizer, but the the great advantage uh, that, that that was really needed. Uh, I think if you could get clean air, you really had a chance. Ross Chastain, I think, even on the fresher tires, it just didn't look like he could get Truex. Like he had he had time. It wasn't like he didn't have time to get him. He had time, but Truex just had that half a second gap on him, and I think that clean air was just it, it was what helped. It was what did it in. I think if it was a long, if I think if we had seen that run play out before the final caution, I think you would have seen Chastain probably beat him. Uh, on tires alone but with that caution i think the clean air just just helped truex way too much um and it hurt true it hurt chastain chastain uh, didn't start firing off he didn't fire off well on restart well i think if he had if he had had taken two tires let's say chastain had taken two tires and he had restarted second or first um i think he would have had a better chance at winning that race i think starting in the second row like he did put him at at that competitive disadvantage because he didn't have the the clean air. Um but that was that was the uh the weekend wrap up. That was all the races that happened this weekend. There was a lot of them. A lot of fun races. Uh great great stuff going on. There was also there was also a WEC race this week. Uh I totally forgot about it and I apologize. Uh but there was a WEC race this week that I should at least very least note. Um outstanding performance who you got today, Josh? I'm going with Josh Berry, second in the Xfinity Series race. And, uh, I mean, he's becoming the super sub for Indrick Motorsports. A 10th place finished uh, in Oh, Al- dude, the top 10 was huge. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, he is, I don't know where he's going to be racing next year in the Cup Series. I've heard rumors. I don't want to speculate, but I've heard some yeah. rumors that he might be going to a very prominent four-car operation. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, he's, 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 he is showing that he can run this. He can run with the big boys. Um, you know, he may have made a few starts with Spire, um, last year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I I think he's gonna, he's gonna do great things, uh, wherever he goes. And I was just impressed with him this weekend popping in again once again into a car that he wasn't prepared to be in did not prep for and he handled both races very very well so josh barry outstanding performance in my book i think that's that's the rightful one i think the other rightful one one from this weekend in general would probably have to be the true x brothers both of them martin and ryan i mean great drives out of both of them i mean how often do you get brothers Sweeping the weekend. I mean, when was the last time Kurt and Kyle Busch won a race? One run swept race weekends. 
uh it's been it's been a while right my gosh it uh where kyle won the xfinity race and kurt won a cup race or did they ever do that I don't know. I don't know if they ever have. You know, they, I mean, they mentioned the Wallace brothers thing today on the broadcast. That yeah, have the Wallace Ooh. brothers have me have the LeBron, gosh, have the LeBron Bonnies? Maybe, maybe Bobby right. won an, a Bush race when Terry won a Cup race. I don't know. I mean, I think you're parking up a high. That one, you're parking up a high tree. Um, that w- it's not impossible, right? It's that, not that possible, seems. But I think you're parking up a high tree there when he Bobby was running in the Xfinity series prominently. Terry wasn't in the best equipment in a Cup. So okay, well then that okay that makes sense. Well, but, uh, Jeff and Ward Burton uh, again. You're no, you're talking. You no, Ward- I don't think Bush won. Ward Ward didn't. Ward and Jeff they didn't win many Bush races after they got to Cup, did they? Yeah, I don't think Ward. I ever, don't think they won. Yeah, yeah. I mean got Ward only got five Cup wins. So either ways, it's not it's not a feat that we see often. Yeah, it's not something we see very often where brothers sweep the weekend. Uh, and it was really cool to see, especially considering both of them were on such long, winless streaks. Like, Riot had never won a National Series event. He hadn't won since, you know, the K&N Pro Series East back in, like, the turn 20. of the 2010s, right? Yeah. Um, and Martin hadn't, like I said, hadn't won since, like, this was a, Martin Truex's first win in the next-gen car, too. Yeah. That was still yeah. crazy. I mean, like, I didn't, first point, well, first points win. First points win, yeah. First points win. Yeah. Um, that's still a crazy feet that he hadn't won a points race in the next gen car yeah that was something i especially when we're talking about somebody who absolutely dominated in the gen six mm-hmm. this new generation car he hadn't it, it took him a whole season it took him a whole season season on a about a fourth to actually get get that first dub so uh just overall great great job for them josh we've gone over two hours but uh that's because we had a lot to talk about a lot of upshift downshift let's go ahead and Go on to the Rollers Featured Season, because uh, I like this Featured Season. I think this is a good pick as well. Always good to learn about these and always talk about some of the tracks, maybe even too. Absolutely. So I'm going back to the glory days of the NASCAR Truck Series. When Mike Skinner, Ron Hornady Jr., and Jack Sprague, they were the ones to beat. They were the ones you were going to have to contest with uh, week in, week out. And I'm going specifically to the 1997 Series season. Uh, that 26 races comprised of three road courses. Only four tracks over one mile in length at ovals over one mile in length, and the rest were 1.058 miles or less because of New Hampshire. Um, but uh, yeah, they were all basically one mile or less in this se- in this season. Fantastic. Glory days of trucks, baby. Uh, only 1998 had more races, and it had 27 races. And uh, from then on, they I think it was after that, they had like 24 races for a few seasons, and now we're sitting at 23 we need more races than the uh, truck series uh kenny Irwin jr finished 10th in the final standings and he scored two wins uh homestead miami and at texas motor speedway chuck bounds only full-time truck series season was in 1997 he was driving the 90 uh the number 99 xi batteries ford for roush that year uh beautiful cup copy uh he finished ninth in the standings he didn't win but he captured 13 top 10s and four top fives in eighth was everybody's favorite, Jimmy Hensley. He didn't win either, and he did the exact same thing at Chuck Bound. 13 top tens and four top fives. In seventh was Rick Corelli. He finished uh, in the top ten 17 times and in the top five six times. Uh, again, didn't visit Victory Lane. Jay Sauter finished sixth, captured 15 top tens, 10 top fives. 
uh, but won once at New Hampshire, so the one slightly larger than one mile oval. Uh, the 1996 champion, Ron Hornaday Jr., finished fifth. He had 17 top tens, 13 top fives, and seven wins, which was a series high. Uh, but again, finished fifth in the points. He, fin- he won at Tucson, Bristol, Milwaukee, Louisville, Colorado National, IRP, and Flemington. Boy. Boy, what a what a stack up of wins. Tucson, Louisville, Flemington. Gosh. If I build a track, I think I'd build Flemington. Yeah. In- I would too. I mean Flemington, what a beautiful place. Uh in fourth was Mike Bliss, who won at Fontana. He captured 18 top tens and eleven top fives. Uh finishing the season in third was Joe Rutman. He won at Walt Disney World. Again, a beautiful racetrack. Beautiful oh, layout yeah. design. Uh, and then he also won at Heartland Park, Topeka, Sonoma, Phoenix, and Las Vegas. Uh, he also had 17 top 10s and 13 top 5s. Rich Bickle was the 1997 series uh, season runner-up. He won three times at Portland Speedway, the oval that no longer stands in Portland. Uh, he won at Evergreen and Martinsville. He had 17 top 10s and 15 top 5s. And the 1997 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion was Jack Sprague. And if he is not a part of the of, of the 75 greatest NASCAR drivers, I will revolt. Can I say that? Yes, you can say that. You can say that? Okay, good. Um, I will revolt. The dude was the first three-time Truck cha- Series champion and was just, again, one of the guys to beat. Um, his uh, and it, this was the first of three championships, as I mentioned. He uh, he he won at Phoenix, the first race at Phoenix, uh, the season. Uh, he also won at Nazareth and Nashville Fairgrounds. In twenty six races, he scored twenty three top tens, twenty three, in sixteen top fives. He, he his other finishes like outside the top ten. One was thirty first, and like he had a fifteenth and sixteenth, and the rest everything else he finished in the top ten. I mean, can you what what more can you ask for from a guy, right? Bob Keselowski won at Richmond. Tony Raines won at I seventy. Ron Fellows won at Watkins Glen, and Randy Tolsma won at Mesa Marin. So there's your cleanup of, uh, of 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 drivers who did not run the full season or didn't finish in the top ten in points, but also won a race. So hey, any get to. Name drop Randy Tolsma. It's probably a good day, right? Beautiful car. He always had a beautiful car. That 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 sicko super, supercar. Oh yes, was just. I remember watching. I don't know. I don't even know what race it was, but I remember seeing that on TV. Like just flipping through the channel. My my dad might have been flipping there. Maybe he was like, "Hey, this there's an NASCAR song. Let's watch it." And I remember that. That's what I remember more than anything else about that moment in time was that car. I'm like, "Ooh, I like that." So. Absolutely. Yeah, anytime you're going 90s truck races hit different, man. The, the 90s truck races hit different. That's a bloody t-shirt idea right there, man. Hey, Dude, they did. That is a t-shirt idea. I would um, give money, so much money, if the truck series could return to the vibe that it had in the 90s. I, I, would, even, I would even accept in the 2000s, too, because I like the truck series in the 2000s as well. That, to, to those mid, the, the thing that I miss the most... Is when the the season started, um, the NASCAR season started, and you would have basically almost every weekend a Friday night truck race during yeah. the week. That was perfect. 
Couldn't have asked it. I mean, Friday night, you get home from school, you turn on Speed Channel, you just leave it on. You watch practice qualifying, you watch the, you watch uh, trackside, and then you watch the the truck race. And yeah. that was perfect. That was a perfect way to start your weekend. It it always will be the most perfect way to start your weekend, and we'll probably never get it back again. And it bums me out, but oh well. Well, Rob, what's in the windshield here? IndyCar returns in two weeks for the GMR Grand Prix at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Mother's Day Saturday. So remember, it's the Saturday yep. Mother's Day weekend. Uh, Formula E races the streets of Monte Carlo for the Monaco E Prix this weekend. So uh, their edition, you will see a banger of a race because their cars are built for this track. Oh, man, it's going to be so much fun. I, I, I love when Formula E comes to Monaco. It's like hey. the, the circ- you've got to circle. That's like, If there's any Formula E race you watch all year, this is the race to watch, especially after how much drafting those guys are doing. Yes. I mean the front stretch and uh, down into uh, down in the bridge or excuse me in the tunnel, the tunnel. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch those guys draft. I it's mean because they are gonna slipstream each other and they're gonna make some fun passes into those turns. They're gonna be making some hay. Formula One is in Miami at the Miami Autodrome. Yeah, I had to throw that in there. For the second Miami Grand Prix, let's see how this one goes over compared to 2022. Uh, and it's the first of three stops in uh, good old USA. I can't believe they're really in Miami this week. They're literally going to fly from Azerbaijan to Miami. I love how, okay, there's videos upon videos of... Uh, Just how not carbon neutral F1 schedule is. Yes, how not carbon neutral F1 schedule is, absolutely. And then for NASCAR... Uh, they're going to Kansas. Cup Series, Craftsman Truck Series, and the Arkham Menard Series will all be there. The Xfinity Series has the weekend off. So I wish it was a nice During this point of the season for the Xfinity Series, that like really makes me mad because they have so many off weekends. Oh, I know. And they have so many off weekends. I'm like, why couldn't you have taken Portland, go to Portland in May, and then go to Gateway? Oh, wait, you got Sonoma there because that's economical for the teams. So you correct I me. I hate the Xfinity here. Series going to Sonoma. I just think that's wrong. Well, they had to find a way for the trucks to go to North Wilkesboro. I, it's just wrong, man. I'm sorry. There's certain, there's certain races that I just don't think should be companion events, and Sonoma's one of them. Watkins Glen is fine, but... Pocono is another one where I never thought those should have companion races. There used to be that. There used to be that thing where you know, the Bush Series and the Truck Series they didn't go to certain those tracks. So in those drivers, that's why it was such a big deal when Denny Hamlin swept Pocono his rookie year because it was like he had zero actual real experience on that track before that weekend, and that's why it was so impressive. Because and he's just like, hey, I learned it racing NR two thousand three. I was like, oh. That's the same game I play. <laughs> well, Rob, we probably should wrap it up because yes, we're four we seconds away from hitting the two hours, 15 minute mark. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thank you for all your support. We appreciate it. I'm glad you're listening to us. Uh, let us know what you think and make sure you hit subscribe as well. So, you know, when we post that new episode up, yep. uh, you'll be notified. Oh, awesome. It's up. Ready to go. Uh, go ahead and click the download button too. Automatically download. You can do that now on certain devices and apps, depending on what you're using there. Uh, and then here, socials. Uh, Rob is at rpeters33. That's 
R-P-E-E-T-R-S-3-3. I'm at Roller underscore zero one, R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one, because Roller is still taken by someone who's inactive. And uh, the show's at Robin Roller, just as it sounds, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R. So, thank you for sticking around here. Had a lot to discuss, had a lot to break down. Sometimes that happens. We appreciate it when it does, because that makes for... Uh, more fun times and arguments for us because we are going to fight each other off camera uh, right after this. So, for Rob Peters, I'm Josh Roller, and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody.